0: ladies and gentlemen it is saturday we're back with a uh, fan favorite mr kevin holt coming to us <laughs> live from bali <laughs> he's an author a speaker a consultant he's a man of many hats i uh, you've seen the podcast before his page will be down in the links if you want to go and check him out word on the street is he has a a breath course that if you uh, maybe put in some sort of promo code, he might be giving you a deal on that, but I'll kick it over to him. Kevin, how's it going, my friend?
1: We're back. Here we are.
0: We'll be hopping. We'll be be Wi-Fi hopping today, people. One Wi-Fi (laughs) to the
1: other. One of them them will work.
0: (laughs) So, Kevin, I talked to a guy yesterday um, who's in Jamaica, and they do a retreat down there, and I've seen a lot of these different retreats. But one thing I really liked about this retreat that I kind of see as a trend, and I'd like to get your opinion on it, is that they're beginning to measure the perf- – like they have particular uh, EKG machines, and they're beginning to measure brain waves in, in uh, conjunction with – the ceremony and the trip so they're they're finding ways for you to go down and have a ceremony be it ayahuasca in this particular case it's magic mushrooms but you go down and you take you know whatever your dose is whatever you've decided on and then they follow it up with a with a monitored ekg machine and they're starting to read these different waves and understand what's happening inside the brain I see that as a trend in the world of psychedelics and retreats. Have you heard about that? And do you see any other trends that are kind of coming that way? I have heard about this. I actually talked to a guy.
1: uh, It's a while ago now. must be like six, seven years ago. His name, I have to remember his name. It's Eric. I remember his last name. But he was on some podcast I heard. I think he was on the Shane Moss podcast, who's a comedian who also talks about psychedelics and things like that, especially DMT. And I don't know if he's still doing it, but his organization is called Mycomeditations. Meditations, mm-hmm. and he was doing that in Jamaica because it's legal there. So he was taking I think I believe he was American. He was taking Americans uh, there for, I think, a week at a time. And I think he specialized in family therapies and also women's. I think he had a women's empowerment um, module that he was doing that with. Again, I don't know if he's still doing it. I know uh, this is before COVID. So I don't know if COVID totally shut down his operation. But yeah, I, I did talk to that guy. As, as a matter of fact, I was talking to him about offering post-session coaching follow-ups mm. to the people that went. Because as you experienced yourself, uh, and many people have had, when you're, you take a trip of uh, mushrooms or whatever else, you have all these deep insights, all this self-reflection and areas of improvement and you feel really hyped up to make change or, or, or do something completely different for like a few days or a week, and then you sort of forget. It's like a dream almost that uh, you try to hold on to it for a while, and then it fades. Mm. So yeah, that was what I was talking to him about, was like trying to keep people on that, the track of their insight after mm. the session for a few months. Um, but then it didn't really work out, and uh, I didn't hear from him again, and I think he might have stopped doing it. I'm not sure. But I don't know if he was as scientific as what you are suggesting. I don't know if he actually measured uh, brain waves or or heart rates or anything. So that's pretty interesting um, to take the more scientific way.
0: Yeah, it it piggybacks on another thought that I I was having a while back, and I posted this out on LinkedIn and a few other chats. It was this idea of, you know, it's been my experience and a few people that I've spoken with, when you take mushrooms – it seems to come in different waves like almost like it you have this you know you start to feel it creep up on you and the best way to describe it, it seems to be like a wave and i think most people would agree with that like it's like a wave of intensity all of a sudden you find yourself in some deep introspective rabbit hole thinking about this thing and then it kind of backs off and you're like oh whoa okay and then another another wave comes and i was trying to figure out like what is it that causes that particular you know, mechanism of action. Like, why is it waves that it comes in? And I thought, could we look to oceanography or could we look to cosine waves or trigonometry and figure out, like, why is it that it comes in waves like that? You got any thoughts on that?
1: No, I've never really thought about it, but um, I think everything is waves, if you break it down like that. I mean, life comes in waves. Emotions come in waves uh, grief, like if you ever experience grief that comes in waves, right? It's super intense in the beginning. You get a little relief. It comes back. Maybe you have longer periods of relief back and forth kind of thing. So it just seems to be another way that life manifests itself as a, you know, something I've given zero thought to. It's just kind of like shooting (laughs) off the hip answer.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I thought it was like, I was thinking about it for a long time and I, um, I work over at UH sometimes, and I was talking to a mycologist over there, and I asked him. I go, you know what? I, I was just tr- thinking, and I told him the same thing, and his initial answer was like, well, my thoughts would be that as the body breaks down the psilocybin, it can only break down so much at a time. I'm like, that's a pretty good answer. And if your body's breaking down the mushrooms, and then it's releasing this much psilocybin, boom, it's going to come in a wave, and then it breaks down a little more, and it breaks down a little more. But it's a fascinating thing to think about, and it does bring up the idea of bigger patterns in life, and maybe one thing we can learn from taking mushrooms is this idea of understanding patterns, you know. And I think it gets us back to what you said about life. There's all these patterns in life, whether it's grief, or whether it's a mushroom trip, or whether it's you know success or or failure. It does seem to come in waves. What can you yeah. had spoken earlier on se- that? Yeah, like a trip itself
1: to me seems like a um, what's uh, what's the right word, like a holographic experience almost, if you think the idea of every part of a hologram also resembling the entire whole. So the trip is like a short representation of like the greater life path or life journey. So there will be ups and downs on the trip and there are ups and downs in life. That's just yeah, pseudoscience for my for my part.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it makes sense though. Yeah. I mean, I, I always think of fractals when you explain stuff like that. Or when I when I hear it, that's, like, maybe that's I what mean. I meant. Fractals. Yeah. I don't know, but yeah that, that's what I meant, that, like a piece of a hole. Yep. And you can see the hole in that piece. You know, it's um yeah. it's this, I've heard another thing about fractals is that if you look at a mountain range, then you can tell the coastline because that's you know the no matter how far away the mountain range is, the top of the mountain range almost lines up with the coastline. And like you wouldn't think that until until you just take some time to really mow it over and you're like, yeah, well, of course, that's the mountains are being broken down. that water flows down to the coastline. So you can see a, a, a I can't think of the word, a symmetry between the coastline and the mountain range. And like that's a part of something that's fractal that most people don't think about. but you can see, you can see the whole, in the part, if you're willing to look for it not in every part but it's there it's it's a good way to start looking at life and it's a it's a good thing to meditate on I think have you it's it's kind of blows your mind right
1: yeah and it's I think what those things help us do is I mean we can do that at any time really yeah during waking life waking consciousness we're very much wrapped up in whatever's happening at the moment but we don't necessarily have the awareness or intentional awareness to then zoom out and then see how this little chunk of life that's happening now relates to the whole, whether it be a simple interaction with maybe it's a fight or like, let's say you're having a disagreement or a fight with a loved one in that moment. like How does that interaction zoomed out relate to your interactions throughout life with various people? I mean, I'm sure there's a connection there if you look for it, but we're, we're usually so into the whatever's happening now that we don't have that zoom out capacity. So that's when people ask me about what psychedelics do, I say it lets it lets you zoom out uh, and, and see like the greater connections between these things. And that uh, like that fractal way that you described. Yeah, I really I, um, st- I, w- I just wish it would stick with you, right? That's the frustrating <laughs> part about the trip. It is very much like a dream. It's like you go into this ultimate knowledge and then you forget 99% of it within 48 hours. And it's just this lingering memory.
0: Yeah. Have you found any ways to like prolong that? Is there like exercises do you like you keep a journal or is there some totems that you have? Like what do you do to hold on to that idea or or to reinforce it at all? I think
1: like Intense breath work can help. Mm-hmm. Um, not so much hold on, but sort of it's like a it renews it. It renews some of the sensations that you might have felt during the trip. So through the body memory, you can kind of remember some of your insights and, yeah. and feel them. And then there have been certain times of in meditation also, like often usually breath work combined with meditation, where I was able to kind of get back into that state i happen, it happened very clearly once it was i think a couple months after my first dmt trip or maybe my second one that i did uh i did this i don't remember what it's called it was like activated breathing meditation and by the end of it I need to get that
0: no sorry about that
1: Cause Sorry. No, know. no i was we'll just taking a break if it's an emergency <laughs> but by by the end of it um I was like fully, almost fully back in the DMT realm, not to the intensity of the, of that I was in during the trip, but the same, like five MEO DMT is known for ego dissolution and just all the layers peeling away and just being pure awareness. And I was able to kind of get back into that state for a couple minutes in meditation. So yeah, I would, those are the only two ways that I found, I would say regular intense breath work can keep it can keep it going
0: if that's what you want to do so that that makes me that brings up a question to me and I don't know this for sure but in my in my experience you know the same way that we think about things like if if you want to learn something you think about it all the time you you have repetitive behavior you know they say repetition is the mother of skill so if I want to learn about philosophy, and Carl Jung, I'll read Carl Jung's books, and I'll read, listen to his lectures, and I'll begin to create pathways. So every time I see a Carl Jung book, I'll begin to think of it. And and you strengthen those pathways, you strengthen that memory, you strengthen that synaptic gap. I think the same thing is happening. If you take a lot of mushrooms, or if you take a lot of DMT, you know I'm wondering if you are building up neural pathways that make that Particular state of mind, something that is more easily accessible? You know, like if you, if you, everybody's had this experience of being in love or falling for someone or being in love with someone, you think about that person all the time. Do you think the same thing follows? Like if you take, if you find yourself on a regimen of of psilocybin or LSD or microdosing or macrodosing, do you think that you begin to create new neural pathways that allow you to stay in that higher state of consciousness? You can access it easier and, and be in it longer. Does that sound plausible to you? Mm.
1: It does to a degree, but I think that at least some of the, these substances, they have that effect where like, they just stop working. right? Mm. Like if, You probably tried it where if you take a bunch of mushrooms and then you try it again in like a day or two. It just either doesn't work or it's much diminished. I don't know what the reason for that is. There must be a biochemical reason for that. Um, but it's honestly not something I've tried. Um, I'm not really interested in like doing that a lot. Um, just personally, because I yeah. think there is a danger. Like I'm very much, I very much like to advocate, uh, people trying these experiences cause they're, they're very informative and, and can be life-changing. But I do think there's a danger um, in kind of like putting the pen, not dependency, because it's not the same as like a physical right. addiction. Right. But you put it on this kind of pedestal where anytime you have a problem or something, oh, it's like I need to go back into that space to figure it out. And maybe like maybe it works, but I just I just am a little wary of giving something power over you to that extent. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. I could see how that could So that's why I haven't tried it but I could see it's. I could see how it would be possible like if you were to keep building those neural pathways and making them more habitual and reinforcing them and like doing breath work every day and meditating every day you may very well be able to stay on that whatever you want to call a path of elevated vibration or whatever term you want to give it Um, it seems very plausible that you could do that for
0: sure yeah, I was, I've was. been running a self-experiment where I've tried that, where I've been taking a low dose. I've stopped it for now, but I, I took a low dose, like maybe a half a gram every day for like 30 days. And on like every fifth day, every Saturday, I would take somewhere between three and a half and seven grams. And it was mm. – I, I, fa- I didn't find the tolerance there that I'm told was there. And me, I don't know if that's because I'm sensitive, or maybe it's a, um, a confirmation bias or something on my part. You know, I'm not a scientist; I didn't test it in any way. It's all I have is a subjective understanding of how I felt. But I, I didn't really find the tolerance that you know when you when you read stuff like uh, the Psychedelic Explorers Guide by James Fademan or you you listen to a lot of people saying, "Oh, look, if you don't take it within three days," for me, I didn't find that. But what I did find mm. is, at first, a lot of clarity and a lot of insight, but also a lot of alienation. And I want to describe mm. what I mean by alienation in that I didn't find myself at the top of the mountaintop all the time. It wasn't like I was having these incredible insights all the time like you do if you haven't taken mushrooms for six months and then you take a big dose. But I did find myself maybe standing on the foothill close to the mountain of dreams over there. And it was it's isolating because I... I felt like I could understand a little bit more but the more that I felt I could understand the more I felt like people thought I was a weirdo <laughs> you know so it was like, <laughs> I, was like Dude, I, yeah. I, I just people would say stuff and I'm like oh that doesn't even make sense to me and so it was an yeah. interesting experiment you know
1: <laughs> I understand I that it. very well and yeah. even without the psychedelics I feel like I'm uh, people think I'm a very strange person <laughs> um oh my colleagues at work used to think I was crazy and stuff so yeah, I can resonate with the alienation even just yeah. without without the substance. I can't imagine like if you're doing it regularly it must be even more enhanced.
0: Yeah, it's it's a trip. I I you know I I wanted to shift gears too on some I had another question cuz I haven't talked to you for a while and I was thinking about the title that I put up here power, purpose and peace and you know we've just gone through covid and we've just gone through all these kind of calamities and something. And you've done something, Kevin, that I I admire that not a whole lot of people do, and that is kind of decide to take your life in a way that you find not only exciting but liberating. And I'm I'm wondering Mm. if there's – I think COVID has woken up a lot of people, and it has allowed people to understand maybe the job they're going to isn't something they love maybe the person they're with isn't the kind of person that they really want to be with. Maybe they've changed. I think there's a lot of transformation going on right now. What advice would you give to somebody who's starting to come to the idea that, hey, this life I'm living isn't really what I want?
1: So I would say two main points with that journey. The first thing is, step one, is figure out who figure out what your voice is and it's it's hard to do because there is so much information and distraction in the world so and we're programmed to look at what other people do right Right. so you are going to naturally be influenced by what other people are doing and thinking that that's what you want to do or what you should be doing and so the 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 step there is to try to get out of that and just be with yourself for a time in specific ways so that you're blocking out these messages, whether it's people on social media displaying a life that you think is real or that you think you want, or whether it's your boss trying to lay out a plan for you or whether it's your parents and their expectations or whether it's the news media lying to you or whatever, like, I think step 1 is block out as much external information as possible. Turn your TV off. Get off social media, okay? Spend some time just go in nature for a while. Maybe even unplug from the internet. Bring a journal with you, bring some pages and a pen. Go for long walks, write, do that every day. Spend like a couple of weeks just doing that. And I think that is going to help reset and get rid of these external influences and try to get you to get that internal voice that you have that knows who you are and and what you want and is more able to guide you from within. So that's kind of like the step one in figuring out what kind of person you are and what you want. And then the step two is basically just a decision. And for me, the decision was after I felt like too long, I how do I put this like I was a round peg trying to fit into a square hole and I would try that over and over again. I'm like I, t- I kept trying to fit into these like roles or models of what was supposed to happen and what other people thought I was supposed to be doing. And I would like take that on for a while and then it would never really last because I, I was forcing it to some degree. Like it wasn't it wasn't in line with uh, what I, who I am, and what I want. And at some point I just, I don't know when this happened, but I just clicked. I was like, you know what? I'm tired of fitting into a square hole. I'm going to look for a round hole because I'm a, uh, uh, sorry, whatever I said before, a square, square around, but I'm going to find the hole that fits whatever peg that I am. And, um, and that's pretty much it. Like, I'm, I'm not going to compromise on that. I would, I would rather be homeless. I would rather not have any money than continuing to force something that doesn't feel good and it seems maybe a little bit extreme to say i'd rather be homeless but i think i actually i remember getting to that point where i was just like so not into whatever my life was and i was like i would i would literally rather just just have nothing than than keep doing this and and that that's really the the point you got you got to get to to make that decision like what would you rather experience than continuing on so it was a bit wordy i guess but those are the main main two things i think
0: no those are great points i'm Sometimes I think that you have to get to a, a point, whether through inspiration or through desperation. You know, and it, it's, it's only once you either hit rock bottom or you're so inspired that you can begin to imagine yourself in, as a different person. It's, it sounds silly and it sounds crazy, but you have to be able to imagine yourself as a different person if you want to become a different person. And a lot of yeah. us can have like, like we can think about it, we can read a book or something, maybe get inspired, but it's a pretty good exercise in imagination just to take some time, whether it's out in nature with your notebook or maybe it's through psychedelics or maybe it's with a close friend, but probably gonna be, you're probably gonna be alone. It's probably the best time to do it. And just imagine yourself living a completely different life but i mean imagine it vividly what would it be like where would you be what kind of friends would you have what kind what would you look like would you have a different hairstyle would you have a different car would you do it in a, an exotic place would it be a cold place would you have a different demeanor would all of a sudden you be kind of you know rude or would you be happier like but if you can go through that and just build a psychological profile for yourself what you are now and imagine someone totally different. I think that that's the that's yeah. like a good place to begin. It's hard to do though, right?
1: That's a good place to begin. and that's why I stress step one okay. because you're when you're doing those visualizations and imaginations, unless you unless you spend some time figuring out what you really want, it's going to be influenced by what other people think you should have. And the problem there, is it ends up being an inauthentic desire if it's Mm -hmm. not actually what you want. And the way I've come to understand this concept of manifestation and flow is that the world responds to authentic desires. So if you're putting something out there that ends up being inauthentic or, or superficial or something like that, it may not happen for you or it may take longer or you may get frustrated because it's not happening the way you want it to. So try to get to that authentic self first. It will make things easier. That's why I think blocking out some of the information is important.
0: When you went through this step, Kevin, did you find that a lot of the first attempts were other people's ideas? Like I know that when I began trying to figure stuff out, like I I went through a lot of phases where I was just living out someone else's ideas of what I thought were cool, but that's the external influences, right? Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, that's external influences. I've went through a number of phases where I thought I found something that I wanted to do, but then upon reflection, I realized it was just because someone was selling me something Mm -hmm. that they're selling me that this is the way to get that thing that I want. So then I would get focused on the, this method, but Mm -hmm. with, as time wore on, I realized, oh, that's not really me. That's not really, I'm not really that into it, but I still want, I still want the, what this was promising, but not in the way, you know what I mean? I do. So I went through a few iterations of that. Um, I tried a lot of different things, and I'm not saying I figured it out, but I, like, yeah. as time goes on, I get closer to what I'm, what I like to, how I like to live. I'm getting way closer now because now I have like different, like an eclectic mix of different um, incomes, like different jobs and stuff like that, and I don't really feel beholden to anybody anymore, which is nice even though I'm not like rolling in money or anything.
0: Right. But you took, you had the courage and the, I think there's something more than courage it takes. I think it takes sacrifice, courage and probably a little bit of luck to, to get to a point where you can find different revenue streams where you can find different things coming in. Like you really have to develop who you are as a person in order to branch out and have different revenue streams coming in. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: I think there's a confluence. There's like, there's like a certain confluence of things that happens before you feel like really aligned. And part of it is, is belief in oneself and having self-confidence. Part of it is managing emotions because, you know, fear and worry will come up. So you have to figure out how to uh master those or you can't really eliminate fear but you can control it to a certain extent right so i think it's like self-confidence managing or eliminating worry and fear self-knowledge and not giving a shit so those four things (laughs) like not 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 i mean you give a shit but not so much like you try something and you put your effort into it but you're not so attached to whether it's this thing, right? Maybe this thing isn't going to work and maybe it's something else, but you're trying something and that may lead to the other thing. But if you get attached to this thing and that doesn't work, that may then crush your self-esteem and make you worry and you worry about money again. And then you kind of like, you're off track. So there's a, there's a non-attachment to it too. And like sort of, um, for me, uh, ego gets in the way often because we think of ourselves as this, this whatever, like I'm a office worker or I'm a UPS guy or whatever. And then you want to, instead of overcoming the ego, you replace it with something else. Lo, no, I'm, I'm not the office worker. I'm a coach. Oh no, I'm a breath teacher. Right. And then you're, now you're just attached to a new thing. And like, maybe that'll work out for you, but if it doesn't, then you're still kind of on the same path of, uh, of um like it, it might kind of like destroy your belief again and then you might feel lost so it's like it, it's a bumpy road and it's this constant iterative process which i don't think i'm explaining particularly well but that that's how that's how it seemed to me to, to like the path to try to figure out where the, where the hell we're going
0: yeah I, but anyway I
1: think, yeah. um yep. to answer you you did ask like how it, how it all came came about yep so i i think for like a year, I did nothing at all. And when I mean nothing, I was still doing things like I was still working out, um, doing yoga or whatever and doing like going to events, but I was doing nothing productive and not even learning anything. Like I used to feel like I had to do something all the time. Like even if I wasn't working, had to learn something new like learn a new language or learn a new skill or whatever but this was like really nothing for about for like a full year and then when you do that things will just come up and you'll get an idea at some point or maybe you'll get for me i got bored of doing nothing after a while where i was like all right well i I quit my job i quit my career I, i lived off savings for a year i need to i need an income again like i need to do something right so then It happened pretty fast for me where I was just like it was only maybe six months ago where I was like, um, yeah, I should probably do something. Like I should probably find some income or whatever or like make some money. And then, yeah, then you just you start applying yourself. You just see what's out there. You see if there's anything that fits your vision of how your life should go. And so, yeah, I found some I found some freelance work. I'm doing tutoring uh like helping college kids online it's like a super flexible job i um, still doing some coaching sometimes right now i'm coaching someone through they're in japan and they're having problems with japan and like learning the language or whatever so it's a, i've got like this eclectic mix of oh we're doing a villa management thing that came out of nowhere too where you had this opportunity to rent a villa here uh for a low price and then refurnish it uh remodel it and then put it on airbnb so yeah like all this stuff just started happening probably within a short time span. I'd say it all happened within like three months. But it didn't happen until I was like, I need to do something. Like I'm ready to be productive. I'm ready to do like fine work or make money or make something happen. And for that year before, I didn't do that at all. So there really is a power to, okay, this is my intention. I'm going to do this now. Um, And just like letting it work out. And i didn't like a lot of people tell you and i don't think it's false but they have to tell you you have to know exactly what you want and have that very clearly in your mind and that works for many people but it's never really worked for me because i was never the person and i'm still not the person that can tell you i want to be this in five years or ten years my issue is that i don't really want to be anything like i have no (laughs) interest in becoming x right i get no enjoyment of visualizing like oh i'm going to be a speaker in front of thousands of people some people really get excited about that idea i don't feel like i need to be or become anything other than what i am i just need ways to to make my lifestyle work the way that i want it to so that's it's a little bit more broad and it like might take longer and f- uh, you may feel a little bit lost and less clear but yeah, it's just it's just that's my little it's a bit more windy windier way of of doing it. I don't know if that made sense to you.
0: It totally does. It's a it's awesome to hear. It's a total unique perspective to I think it speaks volumes to the idea of so many of us have a programmed idea of what success is. But if you take time to just be alone with your thoughts, your definition of success. And by yours, I mean the individual listening to this or any individual out there, your idea of success is not the same as everybody else's idea of success, even though it may share some characteristics, even though it may be similar. If you're being honest, you're a unique person and your idea of success is probably different than other people. So when we try to create these boxes, of what success is, I think it's important to understand that those boxes have been created for you. And so many of us find it convenient and easy. It's like when you take a chicken, you can t- shove their head to the chalk line and that chicken mm-hmm. will stick right on that chalk line. will will move, it's hypnotized. And I think that's a big part of what's happened in our culture for the last 200 years since industrialization is this idea That if you want to be successful like the guy on television, if you want to be, you know, pick your favorite movie character. Like if you want that, then you have to stay down here and work hard and be, you know, this factory machine. And like it's not true. It's not true. I'm not saying you can't get there doing that. Plenty of people can work a nine to five and retire at the age of 55 and be happy. And that's that's a way to do it. There's nothing wrong with it. In fact. I admire that way. That's it, it. May be harder to do that. I wish I. Go out start I wish
1: I could. Like I envy those people because it's like it's all it's all planned out, right? Uh, it's boom, pretty boom, comfortable. Boom. You have a good living standard, and then yeah, you put in your 20, 30 years, and then you're just chilling. I mean, it sounds like a great way to do it. I, I got incredibly bored doing that, but there are some people that like it. I wish I liked yeah.
0: it. Yeah, I don't know if there's anybody that really likes it or if they just feel stuck in it
1: i don't know either i think there's probably some people that really like it
0: mm-hmm. Do you but think, I think a lot like, yeah for, go ahead sorry do you, th- do you think people like being told what to do yeah
1: i think you a do. lot of people <laughs> That's so yeah crazy. i think i think a lot of people like that i don't think people like thinking for themselves i don't think people like feeling lost and and disconnected Mm -hmm. from society. And those are all things that are going to happen. If you're going to go down this road, it's Mm -hmm. scary. Like it can be scary. Uh, it definitely you'll feel lost for large amounts of time and you'll feel like you're doing something wrong and everyone will think you're weird and they may kind of like shut you out, but envy you at the same time. And it's like weird dynamic. And you may lose friendships like it's not the easiest way to go about things. So you have to be comfortable with being by yourself, being kind of lost and also false, false milestones. Like for me, there were uh, milestones on this path that I thought were the end, but they weren't. And I had to and I maybe got distracted there for a while and then
0: had to keep going. Here's a good, so, Here's yeah. a one. Here's a um. A uh. A comment from the incredible No Absolutes podcast. Oh, from Ben. Benjamin hey, ben. C. Why George. You could come on. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> Let me invite him right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, complacency, right. exactly. So it's just complacent okay. in whatever they tell you what success is, and you're like, okay, that's sorted. It, it's almost like you're subscribing to a doctrine as if it were a religion. You know? You're know, just like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, here's a success model. Just do this. And you're like, okay, cool. I'll just do that, and then that's it. Simple, handled.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think that yeah. there's a, um, a lot of people believe that. A lot of people, you know, and I think another point to bring up too is if you have a mortgage and you have two kids and you have a job, it's it can be doubly scary to try to, okay, I'm just going to quit everything and then go start this thing. I don't have any capital. I don't have anything, but I'm just going to quit everything. On some level, I think you get to a point where you feel as if you're, I don't want to say um, like stuck or, or blocked in. But I think that there's some elements of that. Like, I, I think people feel trapped at that point. And that's, there may be a lot of truth to being trapped in that situation.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's destructive. If, in that, if you're in that scenario, if you do, like, people depend on you, right? You've probably got a yeah. partner, you've got kids or whatever. If you do something for yourself, you're kind of like blowing up, you're like a bomb blowing up on other people's lives. So, yeah, it's, it's much harder to do. And there's, I think I mentioned before that I read these books by a guy named Jed McKenna. He talks yeah. about the concept of human, human adulthood. And human he's, adulthood. he's in, yeah, human adulthood is a human childhood. Uh-huh. And, um, <laughs> and I've like confirmed this in my own ob- observations of humans, in that people don't really grow up very often. I mean, they grow up physically, but they don't really grow up spiritually. They're still in kind of a childish state. And they still often um, give their authority to institutions and belief systems outside themselves for the very reason we just mentioned that it's like complacent and it's just a model that they can follow and they don't have to think for themselves. Um, so in a, in an ideal world, people will become spiritual adults at the same time they become like physical adults. Cause that's the least destructive, right? You have these awakenings and insights in your twenties maybe, instead of delayed when you're like 49 or 51 you've got all these attachments and you have this these insights that oh i'm on the wrong path i need to make huge change cuz i'm miserable but now if i do it i'm like just going to blow up everybody else that depends on me yeah and that's a problem
0: yeah i think it was terrence mckenna who said that uh it's almost like culture is buying you off like you know as soon as you get to a point where like you could start really making a difference in culture, like where you really figured shit out and you have a little bit of money and you definitely have some insight. All of a sudden, you have enough money or you lose the drive. You're like, Yeah, I could do that, but I'm fucking kind of comfortable. You know, and like yeah, hey, exactly you know? like you're dangerous, and society knows you're dangerous, so they give you just enough money to calm you down. You know what I mean? They start yeah. taking the foot off your neck a little bit, and you're like, Okay, I could breathe. Yep. It's interesting. Yeah, that happens in a
1: lot of different ways. Society does it. um, Religions do it. uh, Spirituality, like gurus, you know, mindfulness teachers. A lot of the, you look at it that way. It's like, okay, well, just give you a technique so that you can repeat a mantra in your head and just turn your brain off, and then like you don't ever have to do anything. (laughs) You know. (laughs) Yeah. Totally. It's kind of a trap too. And so there, there's like traps everywhere. You got, you think that's what I was saying about the false milestones. Is you kind of, you, you think you found a technique or a belief system or a spirituality. And a lot of the time it's actually not helping you. It just, it's like keeping you in place. Yeah,
0: it does make sense. It's like, it's like, here, just repeat this to yourself a thousand times. And then you'll feel like you can get up and face the bullshit more. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, here, I mean, you can't see.
1: <laughs> yeah. A good. example. A good example is transcendental meditation. I've never done it, but I understand it's literally just repeating a mantra over and over. And it's like, uh, it's like, what's the point of that? You're just trying to, put, you're trying to sleep better at night? I mean, what else are you achieving? You're putting your mind to sleep. But are, what are you transcending by, by doing that? I mean, yeah, to some extent, um, reducing thoughts and perhaps identification with thoughts is a nice, nice byproduct of that technique. But I just don't know where it's really taking you.
0: Yeah, it's uh, you know, on the topic of of turning your mind off or becoming numb, I uh I listened to this one podcast called the Grand Theft World podcast and they um they had a really funny interview where uh the uh this guy Richard, he was interviewing someone and, and he had brought up a you know, he had, he had found some cognitive dissonance to dig into in his guest. And he had, he was about the vaccines I think and he's he had mentioned this case like, "Well, you know, look at these two facts on the vaccines like here is, you know, Dr. Fauci here is Pfizer saying that these vaccines, like, the, it stops with this vaccine. But then here's all this research that says that's bullshit and they knew about it. And then the guy, yep. the guy that he was talking to says to him, well, you don't have to think about it, brother.
2: <laughs> like that
0: was his answer. Like you don't have to think about it. <laughs>
1: Why? Because we goes, have the answers.
0: Yeah, cause yeah, exactly. The guy was saying like, "This is a huge problem," and and this guy's answer was, "Yeah, it's a problem, Yo. but you know what? You don't have to think about it." And he sort of started laughing, and he's like, "That's the fucking <laughs> problem, dude. You don't have yeah. to think about it." Like, and that's that guy's solution was that he didn't think about it. Yeah, I know it's a problem. I don't yeah. think about it. Like, oh my god, that's crazy. Ben, how are you, my friend? Thanks for jumping in here, man.
2: I'm doing all right. Hey Busy Ben. Week. How- hey kevin nice to see you again brother <laughs> yeah
0: it's been a while we were just solving the world's problems in here ben i think you were uh you had some good ideas about complacency masquerading as success man can you pull on that string a little bit
2: uh yeah sure i mean uh, i think you guys touched on it uh but it, it, it's often um when in this world today all of a sudden you know you have the uh even the quote-unquote american dream you have the you know the white picket fence you have the family you have the nine to five you have the retirement you have all these things uh you know people will call you successful uh but if you get down in the woods with or down in the weeds with those people and you ask them you know do you feel successful or are you happy do you have joy in your life all of a sudden, you end up with a lot of, well, I wish I would have done something different. Hmm. It's this weird roller
1: coaster of two, because I just even recently talked to my old boss. And the last time I had seen him, he was so excited because he got this amazing offer from a new firm. He was going to be head of the world unit for whatever he's doing. He's like looking forward. it. Yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. Awesome. And he's been doing it for three months. And I texted him. And I said, how's it going? And he's like, yeah, yeah, same old, same old. We have some issues. I'm like, okay, well, it's like, it's th- it's this thing. It's like, here's a little thing yeah. that's exciting. Oh, let me settle in now. It's not cool anymore. What's the next one?
2: Yeah, and it seems to be kind of like a, almost a perpetual motion device for people, it's, you know, <laughs> yeah. whenever they just kind of resort back to this, like, oh, I'm gonna, uh, there's this next level of achievement. And if I get that, then it'll solve all those problems.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's like I, endless ladders. I mean, there's ladders yeah. just never stop. You know, that the, the thing about the turtles going all the way down, it's also ladders <laughs> all the way up.
2: Indeed.
0: <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, um, I remember in high school, like when I, I first got into high school and I'm like, I'm going to get the hottest girl as soon as I become like a varsity wrestler. And then I have, I'm like, okay, I, I'm going to get the hottest girl as soon as I get a car. Fuck. That didn't happen either. You know, <laughs> but then I started realizing this pattern of like, wait, damn it. What am I talking about? Like, and, and like even now to this day, when I start seeing myself fall into this pattern of I'm going to get this win, I'm like, oh, remember high school? It doesn't work like that. Like, it, and I, I think if people begin to see patterns and maybe this takes us all the way back to the beginning of, you know, when we spoke about psychedelics and seeing patterns in your life, whether it's if you think you're going to get something when you achieve something, I think that if you think that you should take a look at the relationship between the thing you think you're going to achieve and what it is it takes to get, I I think we spend a lot of time thinking about what we're going to get, but we don't take a lot of time thinking about the relationship between those things. Does that kind of make sense? Have you guys thought about that from that angle?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I think, um, that's kind of the, it's kind of ingrained into us through, you know, uh, media through culture. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, it's it, every movie that you grew up with was, you know, the guy doing the thing to get the girl or whatever to achieve that little thing. And, you know, it paints this picture that is a kind of a false equivalency with reality.
0: Yeah. So this brings up yeah, I've
2: been the story book-
1: cut. Because the story stops like right after they get the thing. Yeah. And they're like, they've achieved maximum (laughs) happiness. They don't fast forward six months where they're like already bored with
0: it.
2: (laughs) Right, where it all starts to fall apart.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But it works so damn good. Like it works so good. And it's like, like the pro, like think about it as programming. Like when you're little, you go to a movie, you got popcorn and like a soda and the TV, like the movie's this big and the sound's being pumped in. Like it is just such incredible propaganda like TV, you know, visual like as a media is so fucking good. Like it really can pound home decisions and it can do all the thinking for you if you let it. And if you don't start taking a a book into your own hands and you just start reading, if you don't start coming up with your own mental pictures, then you will be stuck in the world that people want you to live in instead of living in a world that you want to live in. I've been reading this book. It's an old book. It's called Society of the Spectacle, and I'm excited to try out my new camera right here. Watch this.
2: I saw you doing that the other day.
0: (laughs) That's pretty Yeah. How's that bad boy, right? So Now you're your own Jamie for real. You can pull up stuff. (laughs) And... (laughs) Pull it up, George. <laughs> I just need to say, pull it up, Jamie, and then I'll pretend he's over here. There you go. Yeah. So this one says, "The unreal unity proclaimed by the spectacle masks the class division on which the real unity of the capitalist mode of production rests." And so th- this this book is talking about the uh, the spectacle of society, and like everything, like when you go outside, it's a spectacle. It's a show. It's a mask. Everything, when you go out to the mall, when you go to get food, it's just like this giant production. So this guy calls it the spectacle. And I had written written down, um, I'm going to read it from the book over here, so just forgive me as I look away for a minute. (laughs) Uh, The unreal unity proclaimed by the spectacle masks the class division on which the real unity of the capitalist mode of production rests. So number one is the unreal unity. And the note I wrote down is, The unreal unity is all the isms. It's nationalism, socialism, communism, race, gender, social orientation. It's all Mm -hmm. the divides right there. And then the next Mm -hmm. part says like uh, what obliges the producers? And what obliges the producers is profit, fame, fortune, survival, and legacy. And, you know, it just – when I started reading this book, I'm like, God, it's it's so true. There's all these hooks in there. There's all these little – tricks and it's a show and here's a here's like if i pull back the curtain i can show you the cast i can show you the guy working on the lights and i think if people can begin to see that if people can begin to pull back the curtain on their own life and become honest with themselves they can start seeing that it's just a fucking spectacle it does have maximum happiness but what the fuck is maximum happiness like this is some idea given to us by hollywood right what What do we do about this, you guys? What have you done in your life to maybe see this and get around it?
2: Um, Me personally, you know, that was kind of what led me down the path of the no absolutes and that philosophy was because I realized that the world was this way and that, you know, there was all of these propagandized um, experiences and isms that detracted from the actual divide, the actual real divides in society. Um, you know and for me personally it was re- as soon as you realize that it's it, Kevin and I have talked this, about this before as soon as you get to that realization you're kind of like ah oh, shit now what do you do do you just go off yeah. and you become a hermit on, the, on a mountain or do you engage and try to change the, the status quo and I think you know um, yeah, my choice has been made is to engage and try to change the status quo
0: yeah. I, I think that once you read, once you, once you begin reading stuff like this, once you begin having these kind of thoughts, you know, you, you, you come to, like you said, you come to this crossroad where, what are you going to do? Are you going to, are you the freedom fighter? And what does it fucking mean to be a freedom fighter? If you're a freedom fighter, are you fighting freedom? Or are you someone who's fighting for freedom? Like it, it's a crazy crossroad to get to.
2: Well, and that's the thing, you know, you'll, you'll recognize yourself as the freedom fighter, as the person who's yes. like, Hey, you guys need to be yeah. liberated from this. This is a, this is an abstraction from reality. Um, Great. but then the reality quickly sets in is that, Oh, this is freaking ingrained at every single level of culture and society. Where do you yeah. start? You know, what do you do? Uh, and yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely a daunting thing. And I think that's part of the, you know, the, the sorcery behind it, if you will, is, is that yeah. once, even if you get to that realization, all of a sudden it's like, well, what the hell am I going to do about it? As a Yeah, individual. for better
1: or for worse, for better or for worse, I think I've gone the track of like engaging less with everything, uh, as opposed to like trying to really change.
2: Well, I think that's part of the path because I did the same thing. Yeah. For the longest time it was like i realized as soon as i realized it, i spent years six seven years just being like well i'm checking out you know i'm gonna set up my shop over <laughs> here and and i'm done like let the world burn you know type idea uh but i think you know the the very fact that we're all sitting here discussing this suggests otherwise yeah
1: <laughs> I th- it's, a I think for me there's also phases to it cuz like I for de- all throughout covid I was like super engaged with the with the debate online and I was like trying to trying to counteract the propagandists and misinformation and all the controlling mechanisms out there. I don't know if it had any effect. Uh, probably like as a part of a greater effort to to try to get people to think differently maybe it did. But then it just seems like that got replaced by something else. Mm-hmm. To some level, and then I'm like, "Fuck, man, I don't know what to do anymore." Right, and then it's just lately I feel like I'm just not engaging as much.
2: Yeah, I, no, I completely hear you. Um, and I, you know, I think it's just like everything else; it's the ebb and flow of things. It's the peaks and the valleys. It's it's that as above, so below. And you know, we go through that that process, and I think you know finding balance in that process allows us to engage meaningfully. Yeah, I guess it's like just take care of what. When let me start ask you. with your space, yeah. your
1: own space, right? Right. I guess yeah. I'm just focusing. On like, let's start from here and then expand out. And like, I'm just testing the boundaries of of where that is at the moment.
2: And if you don't have a foundation, that's you a can't, good point. You know, you can't build from something, right? Sorry, George. Go ahead. Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, that's all right. I'm. I'm just. I'm taking it all in, and you know, I. Do you ever find yourself getting cynical about it, like? Like, let's say oh, you yeah. do begin to engage and all of a sudden you get all this pushback and you're like, well, fuck it then. I hope that does happen to him. You know, like, how do you fight oh, yeah. that? Like, that's probably not a good space to be in, right?
2: Uh, I've personally gone through that stage like countless times, <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah. it, it's one of those things yeah. where it's like, and and then I'll wake up the next day and I'm like, fuck, all right, put in the work. Yeah. Do something, you know. Yeah. And, and there is, there's just that, like, internal kind of impetus where it's just like, okay, you know, I'm not, you know, nobody likes a quitter and I'm not a quitter, damn it. And, and so that just <laughs> kind of propels the next evolution of these things. I think for me, for me personally,
0: <laughs> I was, I was reading uh, there's another book I, by an, an author named John Taylor Gatto, and he wrote, he wrote quite extensively about the hijacking of education in the United States and how it went from being sort of a, you know, a a classical background rhetoric and the trivium to becoming more of the Prussian model of obedient workers. And it it seems that we've stuck in this process of, of banging out obedient workers where you go to a class, you stand in front of an authority figure and you're told what to do and there's bells and whistles and you might as well be a Pavlovian dog and so, you know, I, I, whenever I think about that book and I find myself thinking, like, well, fuck, what can I do? You know, and I, I think this is a question everybody can ask. Like, and this probably sounds cheesy, but I think it was JFK who said, ask not what you can, your country can do for you, but what you, the best way for anybody listening to this start feeling better about yourself or start living a better life is to try to think about how can you make the people around you better? Like pay attention to the people in your life, whether it's your wife, your husband, your kid, your friend, your mom, your dad, your sister, just pick somebody and think about them and think to yourself, what can I do to make that person's life better? And it sounds kind of abstract, but once you begin doing that, you'll find that that stuff flows right back to you. If you want to make your life better, then find ways to help people, and you'll learn so much more about who you are, what they have, what you have. And it, all of a sudden, like for me, it just became so much more rewarding where I'm like, I want to help out more people. You know, and I feel like I'm, people want to help me when I help them, and they listen to me. And I once heard a good quote that said, no one cares how much you know because they know how much you care. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I have some real ways to fight cynicism that I have found, and I, I think that those are a couple of them.
2: Well, and I think that you brought up a very good point. You know, there's a realization process along this path. When, yeah, you realize it as the as the individual, but then you know it's when you're able to bring that to the group that's where the real magic begins to happen. Yeah, you know, unfortunately, I I kind of don't care anymore. You know, every single day, I probably go through a point of of the day where I'm like, I just don't care. I'm just (laughs) like, everything's
1: fine. My life's fine. Everything around here is okay. Everything, nothing needs to be changed. It's all good. Yeah, and then then
2: one day you'll wake up. I don't know though, Kevin. I got to call. Go ahead.
0: Why would you write your book then, Kevin? Like, like, like you wrote a book that I thought was. I think Ben would probably agree. Like, you wrote a book that helps out a lot of people, and I think you have another book coming out. You can make the that, argument was old that that's a selfish thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, so is the new book new, Kevin, or what? Like, when did the old, when is the, the new old book new is one?
2: still hidden
1: from the world? I don't know what's going to happen with that. <laughs> It'll happen.
0: Well, the, Probably. regardless of what happens to it, the fact that you wrote it and you're trying to share your experience with people means that you feel some need to engage. Like, you feel some need to make people around you better. And, like, I've known you long enough to know that you're constantly trying to do that like i i, I see oh, the, the videos yeah, people, i listen like, to the words
1: I, i'm attached to the people around me for sure like friends and right. family and to the extent that people are an extension of that then yes i'm engaged with that but i'm not engaged with like oh we need to fix the systems anymore mm. you know what i mean i see
2: and I, I, they're broken know, not... like they're totally I... broken Oh, they are and i've gone full circle with that personally i've been trying to fix that system for 15 years just so happens that i finally made a breakthrough in that i think the final breakthrough in order to facilitate that type of change so yeah but
1: yeah that's cool we need we need a balance
2: we can't all detach
1: right because that's the problem with with that it's like what happens in that void what fills that void of people Detaching and, and not doing what you're doing, Ben. You know what I mean. Then there's like a an ever encroaching control system that's just going to get you at some point. And then you got to be like, well, am I going to fight this now, or am I going to just wait for them to come from my my vegetable farm and just shoot them when they arrive? Like, I don't
2: know. Right. What was that? What was that one uh, saying back during World War II, George? You probably know it better than I do. Um, you know, first they came for. Uh, Oh, the trade well, you know what i'm workers. talking about I wasn't yeah yeah. Meant, for, yeah yeah it was go ahead something along the recall. lines of
0: i think it was something along the lines of first they came for the bankers and i didn't do anything because i wasn't a banker then they came for the trade unionists i didn't do anything because i wasn't a trade unionist when they came for me there was no one left to step up and say anything you know like right that's that's the truth and, and like that that's what look at all this division like you know, we—I often say, or you've often hear people say, history doesn't rhyme, but it repeats. And I think that there's a great book by Neil Howe called *The Fourth Turning*. And if you look at the world and the and all the events as seasons, like this looks a lot like World War II or prior to it. Like there's all this fucking division. There's no unity. There's a problem with money. No one's happy. But is this just a process that is necessary? We could talk about who's responsible. We could talk about how if this didn't happen, then that wouldn't happen. But do you guys think that this is something that must happen? Like I don't think there's any way around it. I don't it doesn't matter what happened in the past. I think that this is something that must and will happen. To to what extreme, I don't know. But I think that this must happen in order for us to get through it. What do you guys think?
2: I agree 100%. Um, unfortunately, I wish it wasn't the case, but my life experience to me has suggested that, you know, if it's you know, there's always that old adage, if it's not, if it's not broke, don't fix it. <laughs> well, now all of a sudden it's broke. So now it needs to be fixed. And if it's not broke, then there's no impetus to go off and fix it. And so I think that there, this has to be an unraveling of the systems that you know, we've you know, taken for granted over the past, since industrial revolution times, Um, you know, this is the, this is the evolution of those systems at scale, fracturing, and we're seeing those fractures, we're seeing the breaks in the system. And it's, you know, without that vision, without that model, without that knowledge, then there's no reason to, to change anything. So I think that, you know, this is something that is necessary. Unfortunately, it's exciting times, right? How many people
1: get to get to be alive during a time where a, something like this unravels, which seems that, to be unraveling faster every day.
0: That's exactly the way I think more people should look at it. Like, shit's about to hit the fan, and guess what? This is when fortunes are made. This is when re- this is like I I've been talking on my podcast about this idea. Like, maybe this is what freedom looks like. I had this idea last night. I took a bunch of mushrooms and I had this idea of like. You know, doesn't it kind of seem like fucking anything can happen? Like there's all these protests happening and there's all these ideas floating around and like it almost seems like the country is waiting for a good one to grab onto, whether it was January 6th or whether it's this Chapo thing or whether it's a strong city versus a smart city. Like there's all these ideas flying out there and none of them has taken hold yet, but there's a lot of ideas competing for what the future is going to look like. And what I think is super exciting about it is right now the playing field is pretty fucking level Look, you're, you're not a billionaire. You're not a millionaire, but there's a computer. Here's three guys talking from three different parts of the world, expressing their ideas. The playing field is pretty level. If you have a good idea, there's a dude, it could go viral. You could get backup. You could be on the Joe Rogan podcast. You be on a Tim. K- you could be on someone's podcast that gets enough traction to get your idea in front of people and get it moving. Like, and I think that that is really exciting. Like, there's a real chance that we can have change from the bottom up right now. And I don't know the. La- I don't think I was alive the last time that happened. I don't think
2: anybody alive today was. <laughs> right. <laughs> when was the last time it happened? You think? well i mean certainly well the renaissance was one but the founding of the united states was another right um probably yeah. even you know world war one could be classified into that because that really changed okay. the monarchy yeah. model of things and and new pushed order. things forward yeah, yeah so but i you know even you know even if you were to classify world war ii into that but i don't think that that was necessarily um you know still most of those people are all dead now too every hundred years yeah
0: i mean maybe not exactly every hundred years but it's 2022 we know 1922 is the roaring 20s looks like we just came off a pretty (laughs) big bender (laughs) (laughs) and if you look at it from that angle all the people that know how to fix stuff they're dead now the same way ben and i were talking a while back about You know, all these patches on software, like people don't even know how to write code for these old things. They're gone. The same way the people that understood the economic machine that is the United States of America, those people are pretty much dead. Except for Kissinger. That guy seems to never die.
2: There's a couple people who seem to just keep hanging on. You know, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) George Soros. I can't believe that guy's still around.
2: Right? Man. Okay,
0: this brings me to another point. Like, look at where we are with medicine right now. It's clear to me that if you have a lot of money you may not be able to buy immortality but you sure as hell can buy an extra 40 years like you know and i don't so, know if
2: yeah go ahead oh uh, well i don't, I don't know if, if you follow uh dr david sinclair um but he's a mm-hmm. guy who's been know, working on he, he's been working on basically you know it, the premise is is that aging is a disease and it's something that's curable uh they just released a paper the other day they they reversed aging in a mouse. Um, you know, it was, it had gray and everything like that. And then the after picture was, it was all young and virulent, you know? So there's um, a dedicated path of research in order to, you know, quote unquote, fix aging. Uh, and he has some very uh, interesting ideas. And, you know, I've I've done some of the, like the, and, uh, so his big thing is, N N M or sorry, N M N and then metformin, which yeah. is like uh, metformin is kind of like a diabetes drug, is how it's yeah. uh, sold to the public. Um, but he's taking large doses of those. And I remember first seeing this guy talk about this research probably like eight some years ago. And objectively, you know, maybe it was makeup, I don't know, but he looks like a younger man. And so they have the biological metrics on, you know, measuring biological age. And um, he said he's actually reduced his biological age. Um, And it, it all has to do with the epigenetics and the epigenome of the human body and all the trillions of cell divisions that happen on a daily basis and the errors that arrive in that and correcting those errors. So it's something to do with you know, telomeres,
1: right? Isn't telomere length
2: an indicator? Length. Yeah. Well, that's kind of like a downstream uh, effect of of all of that stuff. So as as your cells divide and the errors happen, the telomeres shrink. Uh, but repairing the epigenetic, so it's kind of like the telomeres are here, the epigenome's up here, and so the downstream effects of all of this results in basically an anti-aging effect.
0: I've seen a few of those studies, and I've I've taken the NMN and the metformin, and I felt pretty great. The, NM, the NMN is like sixty dollars or one hundred twenty bucks for like a month supply, maybe maybe right. depending on how much. Mo- and he's like
2: the, he's doing big doses. Yeah,
0: yeah, it would be like the if I paid sixty bucks or one hundred twenty bucks for a month supply, that would be like his week supply. You know what I mean? Like he's taking giant doses. And metformin's fucking dirt cheap. You can get, you know, t- metformin's less than a nickel a pill. It's probably close to like a half a cent a pill. And you could buy that in a powder form. So that's not a problem as long as you can get the prescription for it. Um, another thing that I have seen, and this takes us into a fucking kind of a rabbit hole. So you guys may want to strap on your headlights here. We dive down. <laughs> strap on, man. Okay,
2: fair enough, man. Let me go find some tinfoil. Hold on. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I should. We should have all.
1: That's like, someone send me a funny meme, like Time, Time Magazine, <laughs> Time Magazine cover, uh, Person of the Year, tinfoil foil hat with no face. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's
1: good. <laughs> Woo! Good.
0: Sorry. Yeah, I um, so uh, you know, I think it was Ray Kurzweil. There was a documentary called like. This is not accurate. It's called the Millennium Man. It's something like that. That's not the title of it. But if you look at Ray Kurzweil documentary, Transcendental, yes. Okay, And in that particular movie, it shows him, like, he's pretty open about it. He's like, I take 175 vitamins a day. He's just taking them all day long. And then twice a week he goes and gets his blood clean. I don't know anybody, like, Mm -hmm. if you've ever gone to, like, a, one of those sinners where they clean people. People that have diabetes have to go and get their blood. Cleaned. He's got a blood boy. And he goes to one of those machines. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, this is what this is what Peter Thiel started, right? Peter Thiel started a company where they take blood from young men and inject it in old men, and that's I think was the foundation of that rat stuff. Was that they took the, bl- the blood from young mice and put it in the old mice. They took the blood from the old mice and put it in the young mice, and they saw the two flip. You know, like it was a bad Jamie Lee Curtis movie or something like that. But they <laughs> saw the people change. Wow. Like the, the the became You know, the the old mouse became much more vigorous, and the young mouse was like all lethargic and ruined. So, but the the, the trick is they can't seem to get those platelets, or they can't seem to get whatever's in the young blood through chemical process so they must take the young blood from the young people which brings up the idea of vampires right like remember the story about vampires living forever sucking the blood of a virgin like maybe there's something to that you know maybe that maybe that came from somewhere you know and you it's just that was my tinfoil hat moment but I think the (laughs) anti-aging is there and I think if you have enough money look at Rogan like that guy is jacked man but that that guy's definitely taken you know he's probably taken tons of trt hgh well he's he's not shy about it i tell you he said that on his show yeah yeah but the common person can't afford i can't afford to go and and get all those different shots depends on where trt
1: doesn't need to be that expensive i think actually was i just out of curiosity checked here and yeah it's kind of affordable
0: yeah how much is it
1: uh i think it's like three hundred dollars for a three to six month course it's really not too bad that's not too bad.
0: And I think I think my insurance may cover it if if I switch to Aetna. So I I, I would definitely do it, I think. I've heard something. Well, like you have to you qualify. You gotta
1: like you've gotta like have a certain level of testosterone. And if you're above that
0: marker, they won't give it to you. I think there's ways to cheat right. that though. Like if you just stay oh, up sure. all night. Yeah. You, just, you could just eat tofu for know. like
1: two weeks, you know, and then and then
0: do it. Right. 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 Yeah, there's a couple ways to <laughs> The good old American yeah. dollar usually will fix that one, too. You know what I mean? Like, uh, right. yeah, well, and,
2: I, I think it, it's there. And this kind of brings us back to what you were reading up here, too. Um, you know, mm-hmm. there's a there's this the system that kind of is the the narrative and is pushed out and all these things. But there's a growing divide foundationally between those who have yeah. and those who have not. Um and that's the that's what this distraction is is to keep people oblivious to that reality of the world yeah. because you know it, think about this if if doctor sinclair is onto something and and all of these blood transfusions are onto something if all of a sudden you could have a class of people who are living 120 150 170 years versus the other class of people who are you know dying at 50 to 70 what does that do economically fast forward, you know, a couple hundred years? All of a sudden, you, there's a chasm between those who have and those who have not, unlike anything we've ever seen you know, in recorded human history.
0: Yeah, you're talking like 40 yeah. more years of economic expansion in one person's life. Right.
2: Well, even it would
1: be like better. Star Trek. Stay optimistic star trek world nobody works oh yeah because the they're gonna make it utopian for everybody yeah yeah the robots do all the work and no one's greedy anymore
0: <laughs> man yeah it makes me wonder i um you know when i when i read those studies and i see this almost speciation of of the classes it's a uh, on some level when i think about testosterone like i i enjoy being a 50 year old man and, like, if I see a super hot girl, I don't immediately jump up from the table and want to get her phone number. Whereas a younger <laughs> man is all over that. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I'm like, dude, I'm fucking. That girl's pretty. Yeah. What's for lunch? <laughs> yeah. But I think if you have all kinds of testosterone going like, through your veins.
1: The way I like to phrase it is like, I, I enjoy looking at the picture, but I don't necessarily want to take her home and hang it over my bed.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. I like that. That is a good one. I like one, that. Man yeah yeah
0: and, and you know it, it makes me think like i i see that and i think that's part of growing older as a man like you start seeing the situation where you're in and you're like oh wow that goes beautiful and you see some dude just jump up you're like huh, i remember when i was that guy <laughs> you know but like yeah. there's a certain kind of clarity that comes from not chasing that like there's a certain kind mm. of clarity that's like dude i got other shit to think about besides that and you know and like if you're all jacked up all day, like I, I know guys at my work that are that are that are on the needle, and like they, while they have, you know, they're definitely still older guys, but I I see that younger guy creeping back into them, and it's not necessarily a good thing. Like I like, is there something to be said about becoming older? Like maybe that's the cycle of life. Maybe you're supposed to get older so you quit chasing that shit and you become a man to a point where you're like, okay. I have these other things to contemplate about my life maybe there's more growing to do maybe there's a cycle of life that you're supposed to have
2: so there's there's something in you know like the old hermetic philosophy right which is the transmutation of sexual Mm. energy and i think there's actually a lot to be said about that um uh you know not necessarily in a cycle of life though i think it does make itself apparent in the cycle of life um But you know, when you have that clarity of mind to not jump up from the table, you know, that allows you the opportunity to then go off and pursue other perhaps more, you know, worldly endeavors, let's say it that way, you know, be a be a benefit to your community be, you know, help the people around you, um, as opposed to, you know, chasing every piece of tail that walks by. Yeah,
1: yeah. And that's also highlighted by things like the chakra system from yoga. Where they, you know, if you're in a certain development, you're focused on your base needs, your security needs, your sexuality, the, you know, sex center. And then as you evolve, you're more focused on, like, worldly pursuits and your heart focus. Whether that's actual spiritual growth or it's just, like, the deterioration of biology over time through a human lifetime, who knows. But I think it's useful to think about like that sometimes.
2: Well, and I, I agree with you, but I, you know, from somebody who's kind of experimented in these types of extremes in my life, um, you know, I've been celibate for the past seven and a half, eight years almost now. Um, not by any sort of vow or any sort of spiritual thing. It was just, I, you know, I woke up one day and I was just tired of chasing and I was tired of that lifestyle. And then I wanted to focus on work and I wanted to focus on bringing other things into the world. Now, when I'm in Vegas, at conventions, yeah, there's, there's so much more space that
1: frees up, right? It does. Yeah. It's imagine. a lot of, yeah. you know,
2: but at the same time, when I'm in Vegas at conventions, you know, it's not like I don't notice. It's not like there's a vow holding me back or anything like that. And so I think there's, there's, there's a conversation to be had there. And I think a lot of these older philosophies, they touch upon it. Right. You know, I think the vow of celibacy from kind of the Christian school of thought, um, you know is built into this old hermetic philosophy that kind of instituted these you know what we call our modern religions and in these spiritual systems like buddhism and things like that and i think there is a lot of value especially from a man's perspective of you know getting that basically under control and instead of it being an impulse it becomes a choice
0: yeah I like that. I think there's a lot of truth to yeah, that. Yeah, and
2: the but the driving
1: force the driving force for success changes completely too. Because if I think about when right. I'm in my twenties, fifty percent of my thought and time is about chasing tail, and the other fifty percent is about success in order that I can like I'm oh it's it's a hundred percent. But the fifty percent is about like the biological, <laughs> physical, immediate, and the other fifty percent is about success and achievement so that I can achieve the other yeah. the first first
2: fifty percent. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It all filtered back into that first 50%. Yeah. I, I, and I was the same yeah. way. My 20s and, you know, even early 30s, it was all, I would say it was solid 75% of my life endeavors, you know, whether it was learning how to dance, yeah. uh, learning how to talk to people, learning how to, you know. Oh, yeah. Why and, would you learn how to a dance? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> why what why else yeah. you know because especially right? you yeah, know, you exactly. were told you know uh, <laughs> vertical translates to horizontal you know right there's all these little <laughs> idioms in society so yeah you know and i think um I think we have a natural kind of impetus through the cycle of life, but I think there's also a choice to be had in it too. And I think that's what kind of gets to the hermetic philosophies in Buddhism when they're talking about that sexual center and, and the evolution of things as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was joking with a
1: friend like side note where I was like, if you are emperor of the world, what was the first thing you would ban? And I said, Latin <laughs> dance. <laughs> I'm like, oh, it's just like so much it's so much more effort you gotta compete with such a high level, Amen. high level standard i'm
2: i, I can um, actually i can salsa merengue uh cha-cha i can even tango a little bit so Me too,
1: i had to learn it i was like i had exactly. to learn it because all the Amen. other guys were
2: doing it especially when you go to foreign countries
0: <laughs> yeah i can't i can't do i can't do any of those i just do this one
2: Mm, 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 mm. that's good enough <laughs> that's all I got man
0: that's good enough that's all I got yeah it's alright man but still though it's it's there's something to be said about dancing right I oh, feel sure. the
2: music and and it's fun Yeah, I enjoy watching I enjoy watching girls well, dance and there's there's a whole other aspect to dancing too that's you know by and large discounted in in traditional western society these days but you know you have people like the Sufis right and they go into this, you know, this whole dance routine and they sure. get to a, a, basically a psychedelic, expe- you know, experience through dance and through movement, through motion. And then, yeah. you know, you have- Here they like ecstatic like, dance. Yeah, and then you have native populations, the rain dances and all of these things, you know, there's, there's definitely an inextricable part of humanity that's related to motion and movement and how that correlates with you know, not just community, but the world at large, you know, local surroundings and environments, et cetera. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think there's some, there's something beautiful too about understanding body mechanics, like the way Mm -hmm. in which you can get your body to move and rhythm and notice that is, is your, is your, when you're thinking about something in depth, your brain's in a rhythm. So when you feel the music, your body's like in a rhythm, too. It's, it's, there's something there, I think.
2: I think that's the recipe for magic, personally. Well,
0: yeah. There's a, I mean, like, if you look at the occult, there's all kinds of things set around like dancing and sex magic and pentagrams and all kinds of craziness, right? Oh, like, yeah. what was the, um, the SS, like the the Nazis, they had a um the Thule the Thule Society. I think that they were into some sort of weird s- sex magic or something like that. I don't know. Well
2: yeah, they they did they actually, you know, went to the edges of the earth and they that Thule Society, that um who was that? Um yeah. uh Maria Blahovic or something like that. Abramovich? Abramovich, yeah. And she was the one who Oh the you know, spirit was cooker lady. Yeah, she's attributed to, you know, getting the information for, um, you know, how to create UFOs, and that's where the bell-shaped UFOs of the Nazis originated from, and things like that. Hmm. Uh, I'm I'm going to
0: grab a beer. I'll be right back. Excuse me for a
2: minute. Nice.
1: (laughs) My kind of host.
2: I'm I'm going to have to do the same when he comes back.
1: (laughs) It's too early for me. It's 930 in the morning. I'm not ready for that.
2: (laughs) It's 5 o'clock somewhere, brother.
1: Yeah, I actually got to work in like a few a little bit, anyways. Oh yeah, what are you doing today? Yeah, uh, one of my side jobs is tutoring college kids. It's like this oh, very okay. flexible remote job. It's kind of eye opening. Mm-hmm. And granted, uh, as I say to people, I am encountering the low end of the spectrum of college students because they sign up for extra tutoring, but I see some pretty shocking gaps in the education system in the United States. Because these people, these kids are, they're in college already. Like, they're already Mm -hmm. in undergrad. Cannot finish a sentence. Don't understand the basic tasks. Don't know how to write an essay. It's like, how did you you get into school? How did you get there? Yeah,
2: uh, yeah, did your parents write your essay for you? Like, (laughs) how did you get admitted?
1: Yeah, and now you got... Now you got chat GPT that can do it for them. So once they figure
2: that out, it's over. Well, you know, that's that's actually a really interesting thing. Um, so I, I have beta access to the open or yeah, open AI is with the parent company for chat GPT, and they have like image processing and all sorts of other stuff to create all these different AI type things. Um, they actually released their next so the training model for chat gpt3 is something like 100 billion different you know essentially inputs right um the gpt4 is going to be 127 times bigger than that damn man right which I mean you know those numbers are wild to even fathom but then so basically you're uh, you're almost accounting for the You know the entirety of recorded human history at that point that's kind of what they're aiming for
1: yeah and like the speed is just intense like i mean i play with it quite a bit i was trying to use it to do different things like i see if i can have it build me an app or something and um Mm -hmm. it still has a lot of limitations at least the open free version it does but you can you can see just by using it like man if this just develops like a little bit more um it could totally achieve these things i'm trying to do
2: yeah, and their next iteration is, you know, going to be 127 times more, you know, more inputs than what ChatGPT3 has already. So, yeah. you know, when that comes around, you know, I, I tried to write some programs in it too. And it took a lot of debugging to actually get the programs to work. But, you know, yeah. for somebody who has any sort of like cursory knowledge of programming, um, it did probably 60, 70% of the work for you. Which, in yeah, terms it did, of uh, time investment,
1: yeah. Yeah, it it did my homework assignment. Like, I'm studying at C Sharp just for fun, like, on the side. And I was mm-hmm. just like, all right, let's see what this thing can do. So I popped the, the question in there. It spit out some code, which returned an error. And I went back to ChatGPT. I was like, hey, your code has an error. Can you please debug yourself? And it goes, yep. oh, I'm sorry, here's the correct code. Posted it back in, and it worked perfectly the second time. Yeah.
2: Wow. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I just read. We were talking about this in our predictions, George. Apparently, yeah. there is actually a lawyer or an AI lawyer who is going to try a case in February of 2023. So wow. mark that off on our predictions of correct.
0: Wow. You know that that show got last time I checked like over like 1,500 views on Twitter. Nice. That's that's like, wow. that's pretty impressive, right? I was like, whoa. Yeah. People love predictions. I guess. I think that it's gonna get to the point where you're like, okay, chat, build me the True Life Media app. I want it to play music. I want it to be interactive and be sort of like YouTube. And it'll build you something like that. The same way, like the the picture AI can build you a picture, can the new chat
2: build you an app? You think it'll get that? well yes we were talking about the next iteration which they're actually chat gpt4 is going to be 127 times larger than chat gpt3 wow um uh so you know just magnet like a couple orders of magnitude of more inputs into it so the the ability for it to pull off something like that will increase dramatically uh From, you know, a guy who's been doing tech stuff for a long time, there's still going to be a divide there, you know, um, because having the applications, one thing, having, knowing what hardware to run it on, knowing, you know, uh, how to, you know, mirror out those things and things like that. It's still going to be a little bit of an effort. Um, But yeah, you're talking about the democratization of, of programming for the vast majority of people.
1: Yeah, you've got to give it right? very specific and clear instructions mm-hmm. to get it to work. Yeah, And I and think it can almost do what you're saying now, but I was running into space, like uh, space issues. Like it didn't have enough space yeah. to give me the code and uh, didn't, like, it kept bugging out because too many people were using it at once.
2: Right. And so there's, there's, there's hiccups in that, in that stream of process, but um, those are things that are not like insurmountable things. Those are right. things that will be solved. It was just like more bandwidth would solve my particular so, like, issue.
0: This is where like I, I don't understand like, on some level it sounds amazing, but here's my here's my my problem with it. It's basically a compiler. Hey, chat, go get me this thing. So right. it goes to GitHub, downloads this free stuff, and then brings it to you, which makes me think, how much are we? Over- overpaying to build apps like all they're doing is going and cutting and pasting from somewhere else and then putting it in their app well, like if you look welcome at, to right, the like, sham. like yeah like that that's the problem like and i think it's i think it's being dressed up in this way and shown to the public like look what we're doing isn't this amazing like no you've just been ripping everybody off for the last like 35 years all you have to do right. is go to github cut paste and put it in your program And you're trying to say look at this chat gpt isn't it amazing look at this no it's not really that amazing dummy it's not really at all you're just cutting and pasting and now you have now i have alexa do it instead of paying someone to do it
2: right it's standing on the on the shoulders of giants and another um you know causation of that is is if you fast forward a whole bunch of years and you remove the people who you know the creative people the programmers the the artists all this stuff it only has a subset it doesn't grow doesn't innovate it doesn't it doesn't create new things all it's doing is taking the old and compiling it into you know alterations of the old and so you don't you lose novelty you lose innovation
0: see this is yeah this is this is exactly like i I think it's a failure like i think that like they've been working with this thing oh we got the chat GPT it's amazing it's gonna do all this stuff but it failed like what do we do with it now i give it to the public tell them it's awesome Like, if it worked so good, why would they give it to us? Like, why would they even let us use it? Like, if it worked awesome, it wouldn't be given to us. Like, this is something that failed, and they're trying to roll it out with, like, a new paint, like an Earl Shy paint job on it. Look at this beauty. Isn't that a nice piece of machinery right here? No, it's not. How much money went into making that piece of junk?
2: Yeah, but you know, their failure is uh getting them tens of billions of dollars. I think Microsoft just wanted to I, I read today that they want to buy a stake in it for ten million dollars. And if you look or 10 on million LinkedIn, or ten billion billion with a B. Mm-hmm. And then if you look on like LinkedIn, now there's a whole bunch of startups that are based on chat GPT that are the startup companies that are facilitating everything from you know education, homework type shit to legal stuff and all of these other things, which again, back to that point. Now you lose the inner innovation. Now you lose the creativity of the human being behind it.
1: I just used it on a, a pre-job interview test. for oh, a yeah. Consulting company.
0: Okay. How did that yeah, work? Us. Run, run like us through
1: that. 25 question tests and about half of them were text. <laughs> so I just pasted them in the chat GPT and took the answer. <laughs> we'll see if I pass. What did you
0: think of the answer they gave you? What kind of answers did it give you? Can you give us an example of a question and an answer I didn't you? have
1: time to think about it. It was a t- it was a t- mm-hmm. it was a time test. I didn't really have time. So I was just so whatever ah. it gave me, I just saved myself some time. I just popped it in. There was a lot of numerical calculations. It's like company X A has this many net profits and then what do we do with revenue blah blah oh. blah. Those those sort of questions.
2: In in for We'll for see those if I pass. the questions well for those type of questions it's probably going to be pretty good yeah because those are pretty hard hard and fast answers there's not a lot of subjectivity to them yeah it's a very input dependent you got
1: to give it the right inputs or it doesn't do
0: anything i had a guy that's coming on the podcast in a little while and he he um he gave we were writing back and forth and he actually i think i think he may have posted it i can't think of the guy's name long story longer he had got into a, a chat with ChatGPT, and his question was, Why is it that it was refrigerators and Freon that caused Donald Trump to get elected? And like, he had a full conversation with the machine about what Freon and refrigerators had to do with it, you know? So, like, he was pointing out, out that, like, you can ask it a lot of things. And if you ask it, like, on some levels, it seems amazing. But if you ask it like some sort of nuanced crazy question, it's just like, well, you know, the things with refrigerators are that it's cold and like it just went on some crazy <laughs> rant. Like, I should post it because I'm not really doing the, the conversation justice, but I'll, I'll put it in the links once we get this finished. It's, it's an interesting idea or an interesting way to point out that, hey, this thing, while pretty awesome, is far from being anywhere close to a human being being and it makes me think it was chinese room right remember that remember that analogy where there was this mm-hmm. debate about a computer thinking and a computer being something and this guy john Stirl said look it's like a chinese room it's like you go into this room and like you don't speak chinese but you have this compiler that kicks out one character and it says place this character on the floor four spaces to the right and then it kicks up another one place this character on the floor three spaces to the left and then someone if you did that enough times and someone came in the room and saw what you spelled they would think that you knew Chinese but you don't all you knew was the instructions you were given and there's a difference there right between speaking Chinese understanding the culture and placing things in the format that looks that way so it's it's, and I think I think it's still there right like it's still a pretty valid argument
2: no, I mean, that's exactly what it is. Uh, if you look into how these things are built, um, so it's a just a, they call them neural networks, right? But all that means is it's just this hierarchy of weighted elements. And so when right. you ask Donald Trump and Freon and refrigerators, it's going to take the greatest weight of all of these different things and correlate some something to them. That something is not, necessarily novel or innovative it's just the 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 response of the greatest weights of what those inputs are attached to
0: it's going to make it, us dumber i think like if, if it's if, right. if you can see these flaws in it already and people start going people, are, people start building businesses around this and this machine is giving you dumb answers people are gonna start taking those dumb answers as gospel the same way in which we look at what not all of education has done to kids, but a lot of education. The standardization of education has made people dumber. The, so too will this make people dumber because it's just trying to compile everything. It's like, here's one answer. Here's what it is. But that's, that's it, so
2: anti-human. And even to a greater degree because now instead of, you know, at least education, there's still monochrome of you, yeah. have to, you have to put these ideas together in your yeah. own model, in your mind. But... Uh, with something like that, you no longer have to create that model in your mind. You just have to be able to articulate the input properly in order to get the result. Right. So you get, you get you get a mask up yeah. down. Yeah.
0: I think it it changes the entire structure of it too, because no longer are you worried. Let's just say that ChatGPT finds a few footholds where it becomes very profitable. Mm-hmm. no longer about what's true or what's best now it becomes about where is chat gpt compiling this from comes a sort of race to be the person that supplies chat gpt it's no longer really about the content it's about who's getting that contract who's supplying that stuff and, and the, the downstream ramifications of that are have a lot of consequences
2: i think well, stagnation. Yeah, Everything exactly, stagnates. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Be- because, you know, even the, even the people who are, you know, quote unquote, supplying the input and, you know, to check GPT's credit, what they do is they just take a vast swath of all information right. you know that exists. Uh, but eventually, you know, if you fast forward a little bit, there's less and less people creating new things uh building you know Mm. new models uh figuring out better ways to program more elegant ways to do something um because you know in that is such a cost intensive effort that now why should I waste my time doing that when I can just go to chat GPT and it'll give me something that you know works in the world that works. works
0: yeah yeah yeah
1: yep and what happens when forces privatize things, as they tend to do, where we might have the public version of ChatGPT that's loaded with, like, false inputs, and then we've got this other one used by other people.
2: And the idea is, is that if these are built with... Um uh, good intentions which you know that's a that's a hefty that's a hefty <laughs> you know, uh, that is, that's too you know funny. To, to put things on but if they're built with good intentions they're they're quote-unquote learning models and so there would be a feedback loop in that that um you know oh this is a crappy way to do or for like your c-sharp thing oh you gave me buggy code that went back into the system and it's now no longer going to give that buggy code for the exact input that you gave it Instead, it'll mm-hmm. give the proper code. So, you know, there's something to be said about having a system like this. But, I, you know, when people are talking about it, replacing lawyers, replacing artists, replacing all these things, uh, you know, you're, we're basically annihilating what it means to be human. Yeah, I, 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 I could mm-hmm. see public
0: defenders, like if you, if you don't have any money then you can get ChatGBT to, to represent you. If you do have money, you can get like Robert Shapiro. You know, like that, that could be a further gap that we're talking about. So right. here's a public defender. It's this computer, you know, and it's going to come off these different case laws that were programmed in there, you mm-hmm. know, and, and now we no longer have to pay a lawyer. We no longer have to pay their salary. We have to pay their benefits their vacation. But if you want to have the best possible premium, you get represented by a human. You know, like a for now, and that might that for now, yeah, maybe that switches, maybe that switches later, you know, I don't know.
2: Well, no, which I mean, you just, novel, you, you want to read, right? Well, fast forward a generation thinking about, you know, those terms. <laughs> if all of a sudden, you know, because a lot of those big Shapiros and things like that who became great lawyers, they went through all of that public defender process, they went through, you know, thousands and thousands of hours of litigation in order to facilitate that skill. Now, if you don't have that process, you cut that process out and you replace it with a, a chat GPT, how many people are going to go through that process, develop that skill and in, in facilitate that, that articulation of the law, you're going to have less and less and less. So you fast forward a generation or two, and all of a sudden you don't have any people going through that process. You don't have the great lawyers coming out, you don't have the great artists coming out, you just have people who are competent in using this system. Why do you even need lawyers hmm. if
0: you just have Chat GPT as the judge? Just get rid of the lawyer. just use that as the judge, right? It has all the case law. But well, in, in you, some ways, like the you wouldn't like Jeffrey Epstein would have the same judge as george the crackhead
2: you know what i mean like that would be a little bit more fair in a way (laughs) there's something there's something to be said about that though right yeah like now because especially when you're talking something like law you, you know the interpretation of law especially at the judge level you know we see all sorts of wild shit go down but if you had a system that was very you know consistent in its interpretation of the law you would get a much more fair system potentially
0: Equal justice under the law. Even if the law was buggy, at least it would be consistent in that the same people face the same machine. Right. The same silly...
1: But my skeptical side... Be, that would be can't better. imagine that people wouldn't... wouldn't build in, like, back doors to all these AI judges, you know?
2: Well... Yeah. Every every programmer builds in a back door. I'll tell you that much. No, but so... so <laughs> yeah, so they're going to
1: be back doors, and there's going to be an Epstein... AI judge, and then someone's going to get in there, and like ah, let's just tweak this a little bit for this case only.
2: Well, and you know, we've yeah. already kind of seen how that plays out uh, from the Twitter files that came out, right? We already saw yeah. that the heavy hand of the government had a direct influence on what was presented to the public.
0: I mean, is this something new, or 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 like this? Gets back to my idea, like maybe this is what freedom looks like. Has this always? It's been happening and we're just now seeing it because it's right in front of us. We can no longer ignore it. Or is this a new phenomenon?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Pretty pretty much the illusion of
0: freedom, the corruption. It's just now we're seeing it right now. We cannot no longer deny it.
2: Right now. There's just a camera in everybody's pocket. There's the internet to connect people and ideas and communication. There's, there's all of these systems that I think this was always behind the scenes. 'Cause you know, I mean, we grew up right. with the adage, it's it's not it's not what you know, it's who you know. Yeah. Right. So I think this has been kind of inherent in society since, you know, as long as we have recorded human history. And I think we have we could pull examples that would suggest as much. I think it's now where we as the common individual just have a bit more of a a bit more skin in the game, I guess.
0: So we look back on. You think is it possible if the, if that is true, then we look back on these times as sort of, you know, the human race in their 30s coming to grips with how gross we were. Like God, we were really horrible in our 20s. Jesus Christ, remember you know the <laughs> time in Tijuana? Oh shit, let's not talk about that. You know, like that. Will that be like all our presidents? What is this? The species finally coming to grips with hey, look look at what we're doing, man. We fucked up a lot. Like, look how gross we are. We should probably change this.
2: I, I, think, maybe, a like I, said, it, I think a lot of said, Maybe it's a positive it is, thing. I think it is a positive thing ultimately. I think in that positivity, there's a lot of hardship and a lot of struggle and a yeah, lot of tragedy yeah. that that incurs because the, the reality of the situation is, yeah, we've been pretty fucking shitty. And yeah, now, it's just, now it's just coming to, you know, the forefront of conversation.
0: Yeah, are we going to chalk up another eight ball and go to the liquor store? Or are we going to fucking, <laughs> hey, maybe we should fucking chill out a little bit, right? Well, that's I this is, just, I, I don't mean, know,
1: Be- because we, we, there's a lot more awareness now and people are bringing things to light in social media and we have these conversations and we've got Twitter files and we've got all of that information coming out where people are more aware of, the game and its revelations of late to show that it was an illusion to a large degree, but that I don't like. What to what extent are people going to actually do something? Because just playing and talking on social media, it's not going to change anything in and of itself. And right. the fact is, we live so much better than we ever have, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. no For one's sure. going to get up and attack and like change th- overthrow government until like it's so bad
2: that they can't bother living anymore. And it's like hard to imagine that now. But what I think happens is these conversations breed parallel economies. They breed small scale yeah. experiments where smaller groups of people come together and be like, Hey, I think we can do this a better way. And then in the success of them doing it a better way, that will be the foundations of society of tomorrow. But just will the they thing. leave you alone? Well, see, that's a the problem. They probably won't. <laughs> I've already saw something
1: about there. I forget. Maybe it was in like Utah or something. There were drones flying around, like, and they found solar panels stuck in the dirt that they were they were feeding Bitcoin mining machines or something like that. Like, and I just envision like there's this army of drones just looking for these like offshoot communities and just trying to shut them down one at a time.
2: And and I think that's a reality of the situation that's gonna, you know, that's where a lot of the tragedy is gonna come from. That's where a lot of struggle is gonna come from. It's not gonna be an easy transition. And, yeah. and you know, I and if we look back at history, there's no easy transition between the old system and the new systems that have come into play. Yep. You know, there's there's a lot of travesty along that path.
0: I've heard for a long time that, you know, if you, li- I really love the long form format, you know, whether it's the Rogan talking to Elon or, you know, one of the wine maybe Brett Weinstein or just these long form podcasts, even our podcast. But some of the other ones that I listen to, every now and then you'll you'll hear someone that you admire tr- just throw a few pearls out there, and one of the some I hear people say the China model is the future. And it took me down this rabbit hole of, like, well, what is the China model? Is it state capitalism? And in my research, what I have found is that, you know, in the Chinese model, at least in my opinion, from what I've read, and I could be wrong, is that they allow a lot of autonomy in the different zones. And whoever has, like, the best system, that person then can rise up and move up in the party. And if you if you take those two things together, you see people... Like Elon Musk saying, the Chinese model is the future. And then you look at what I said about allowing city states to come up with real solutions that could scale, then you can see what's kind of happening in the United States already. And I would say that the Chinese model of, of city states is being implemented in the United States. And two examples of that are Gavin Newsom in California. And the, mm-hmm. the governor in New York, you're seeing these new ways and means being rolled out. And in California, you have like, um, you know, they're, they're paying reparations there. They've privatized pretty much all of the electricity there. They've went ahead and said, look, we're no longer going to have, we're, we're, we're capping gas cars at this time. Like It's a really progressive agenda. The same way, like it, it, they're testing things out there to see mm-hmm. if it works. And so, like when you combine that okay, tinfoil hat on, if you read the 2030 agenda, you see stuff like you see words like strong cities, smart mm-hmm. cities. Like, okay, what mega everybody cities. knows what a mega cities, city mm-hmm. states. And when you when you start poking the prostate in there, you start realizing like <laughs> okay, a smart city is a is a city that's owned by a corporation where the you get a corporate dollar to spend at the company store. Like that's a smart city. They track everything. What's well, a strong city? Well, the strong city is a lot like a prison. They got bored up around it. Only certain people can come in. And if you look at what's happening, they're doing some some kind of crossbreeding in um I forgot the name of the the town in in uh Europe somewhere, but they're they're putting this new process in where they're like, okay, you can only travel 150 days out of the year. Like, so there's yeah. all these experiments going on throughout, our, throughout the world right now to try to find a way to govern better. And when you look at it from that angle, that means, at least in my opinion, like the Davos, the WEF, the people, the real owners of this world know that the, the, what we have right now is dead. It doesn't work. The money's doesn't work. Nothing works. So we must start start figuring out what we're going to put in place. Like, if you look at it from that angle, like it, it can both be liberating and scary. But I, I think I would challenge everybody to f- at least look at it from that angle. Look at what's happening around the world. Look at all these experiments happening in different parts of the world. Read the literature and. Find out where you want to live. Do you can you find what you do? Would you be good in a strong city? Would you be good in a smart city? Do you agree with any of that? But I would challenge everybody listening to this to to do their research and you know do what Too Short says and try to get in where you fit in. What
2: so I, I I would add an asterisk to that because okay. um, you know the the China model originally was set up uh, that you know different representatives from the different factions like you know, almost ethnic factions in China were part of that system. And then it got co-opted by Xi Jinping now. And all of those different factions have now been kicked out. So there's the China model and then there's the authoritarian China model. And I, we're seeing the authoritarian China model kind of play out right now in real time. And I, you know, I suspect that that fractures uh, probably within the next decade. Uh, that's a different rabbit hole Uh, but yes from like the world economic forum perspective the Davos people those types of people and we've talked about this a lot you know I think this is the fracturing of nation states and it's going to move into uh, you know their idea is a global kind of you know community type of different city states my problem with that is who pulls the strings you know do you want Uh, you know proprietary companies do you want strong arms do you want authoritarians pulling the strings for these and i think if most people you know most thinking people were honest they would say absolutely not because that's pretty much the end of freedom i would argue
0: yeah so i i i think along the those lines a little bit and like here's where i get here's where i get a little bumpy and like a little bit miffed in that like i really want to hate all those people w yeah and like i i, I shake my fist out you dummies you don't know anything but the truth is well they know those a lot know everything <laughs> you know what i mean right. they, they know, know a lot, lot. like like and, you know, hate the and player what's wrong with like those
2: are good experiments yeah Go right don't hate don't or what don't hate the game hate the player you know i think it's the other that's way what it is, one of them or whatever one yeah of it does. is it, they both they both kind of work <laughs> they do <laughs> um but yeah it, it is you know and i think yeah, it's like, a is a benevolent
1: of, dictatorship the right way that's the question
2: that well and you know people, if you look in the past Yeah, if you look in the past, you know, there's been a lot of benevolent dictatorships that have, you know, removed poverty from nations that have elevated their entire countries that have done great for people. But when you fast forward a couple generations down, it's usually not the same case. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I I think it's the Luddites that had it right. Like I, I people people hate the luddites. I think that I think those guys figured it out, man. Like, yeah, we don't need to be rounded up like rats and put into freaking assembly lines. Like, we should break all those machines and work on our own time. You know, it's not that the luddites hated technology. It's that they hated having to punch a clock. Like, they're fine mm-hmm. using technology. And I think everybody here is and in some ways, I think we need to revive the luddite movement. Like, I think that we understand, and maybe technology is giving us, like, I think technology could give us back our freedom. If we have chat GBT, if we have this new technology that can help all of us individually, why do we need the large corporation? We have the technology. We don't, we no longer need them. And maybe that's what's happening. Maybe big tech is producing the very thing that's going to make them obsolete.
2: You know, that's kind of foundational to the open source movement of the internet. Um, you know, back when it was fashionable to call yourself a hacker, um, back when the internet first started, uh, you know, the whole idea behind that was, um, freedom of information so that mm. all information was freely available for everybody. Yeah. Um, and that was a lot of the foundations of what then became the open source movement of the world, which is where, you know, chat GPT gets its, uh, gets its meat, uh, And that's where, you know, things like the GitHub and all of that stuff uh, and, you know, Bitcoin, um, all of these things. So I think, you know, there is it's not it's not going to be Oh, because it's all open and free. All of a sudden we get the results in society. There is a birthing process along that along that path. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's what we're witnessing right now. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I have
1: to. I have to bow. I gotta go do some work. My shift starts soon. But it's been a pleasure, George. Thank you for hosting again. Are you kidding ben, me, man? I'm stoked come to on. see we can you. Talk
0: about this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. we well, yeah, well, see, see you then. Yeah, we're gonna yeah. hit up tomorrow at two too if you're around. I'll send you a link. All right, I'll try you, and make you, you it. Make I'm make it. not sure, cool, but yeah. Yeah. All right, buddy. Always okay, a man. pleasure, man. It's yeah, a new guys. book out. Yeah, I want to read it. Okay.
1: See you guys. Take care, brother.
0: Aloha. Yeah, Ben, I, 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 um, I think we are headed for some interesting times. Like, and I, I think it can be positive. I, I, I try to, as dark as I get sometimes, I think that the objective is to shine light on what is possible. And I do think there's a lot of things to be excited about.
2: Absolutely. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, these things are tools. You know, if you got, you can have one talented craftsman with the right tools and they can create masterpieces. But if you gave that same talented craftsman just a select set of tools, they're going to be limited as well. And I think, you know, that metaphor kind of applies to society at large, of what we're experiencing right now. You know, we are now have, have built the tools as a society to move on to the next iteration of what it means to be human on this planet we call earth and i and i'm very hopeful that we can actually you know make inroads in that and i and i you know i as much as we talk about all the dystopian shit i don't see a dystopian future for us
0: yeah yeah i think it's that's human nature is to look at all those things
2: right and i think you know it's easy to see that the The dystopian future but it's also you know if you understand the you know the the what goes into that all of the different structures and all the systems and all the tools that we're talking about it's also easy to then go hey you know what humans are actually kind of awesome maybe not at an individual level but at a scale right (laughs) and i think you know and i i think that you know, at that scale, I think we are equipping ourselves with the proper tools in order to enable a much brighter future for you know not just at a local like North American level, but at a worldwide level. And I think you know the dystopian overlords, as you could call them, uh, and they have many names. I I, I think that they lose because uh, yeah. information's you know it, it's the genie that doesn't go back in the bottle. You know it's pandora's box at the end there
0: so i like it i i I agree I, i think that you know we spoke earlier about the idea that maybe what we're seeing has always been going on and all of a sudden it's just been you know sprayed down with the disinfection that is that is transparency and uh you know, you, you could say that the war in Ukraine is just another way to launder money since Afghanistan was put to an end. And there'd be a lot of truth to that statement, especially when you look at BlackRock coming out and all of a sudden announcing they have all the contracts for it. You know, we <laughs> see this process of privatizing profits, socializing losses. How many billions yeah. of dollars have we have the taxpayers just cut to Ukraine and now BlackRock's like, well, looks like we're going to be doing all the reconstruction over there. Well, shouldn't the taxpayer get benefits from that? Like, see, we, they take all the money from all of us, send it over there, and then these guys get the contracts and they get all the profits. So, you know, we're we're close. Like, if I know – I'm a truck driver in Hawaii, and if I know that, you know, I, I got to think that you see people in Congress starting to step up. And, you know, you, you see – the foundation being built. That's fine. Let's invest in Ukraine. And when it's time to rebuild, the dividends go back to the taxpayer. They don't go to BlackRock. They don't go to the Fed. They go to the American taxpayer. Like we spent that money. You know, it's the same thing a sovereign wealth fund has. That's why the Saudis are so wealthy. That's why Norway is so wealthy. Ooh. They, have a, they mm-hmm. have a sovereign wealth fund that they invest that goes back into their public. We have a sovereign wealth fund, but none of that money comes back to us. Or, or what comes back to us is the shell of the peanuts. So maybe that's right. what's happening. Maybe it's getting better. Maybe we're starting well, to see it.
2: Yeah, I, I, I think it ultimately will get better. But again, I think there's going to be the hardships along the way. You yeah. know, uh, you know, we have the Citizens United Act that really kind of uh, hamstrings. You know, somebody who gets in Congress even if they can get in Congress in the first place, right? You know, where did that money come from? What's What sort of people are telling them to vote certain ways? Um, you know, there's, there's hiccups. There's speed bumps on this road. But I think ultimately they are just speed bumps. They just slow us down. They don't change the inevitability of the outcome.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this experiment pans out. Are you worried at all about the long-term ramifications of the vaccines? Like, I've, you know, there's all yeah. these. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, George. Oh, yeah. What do you worry
2: well, about? I, well, you know, when it first came out, I was like, wait a second. You're going to take something that, you know, quote, unquote, was just invented, but it wasn't. It was actually, you know, fashioned in 2012. And so there wasn't any long-term data about how this all plays out. And now, not only is there no long-term data, but you're not talking about a traditional vaccine. You're talking about a nanolipid particle that directly interacts with the mRNA of a human host. And, you know, for all of the feats of science that we've accomplished, we still have such a limited understanding of those types of interactions with the human body. You can ask a hundred neuroscientists how the brain works and you'll get a 70% answer that's kind of correlated, but they'll all have different ideas because we just don't know. We don't have the data. And now you're talking about genetics, which genetics is even perhaps more complex when you factor in epigenetics and all of these other aspects of the human body. And now we're just going in there and being like, yeah, this looks good. Let's go ahead and tweak this. Now- yeah. And I've read, you know, I, I, I've been a scientist for a long time and I've read thousands and thousands of papers from physics, to biology and everything in between. And, you know, my takeaway is, is that while we do make progress and why we understand a good deal of what the world is and how it works and why it works and when it works and environments and all of these other aspects, we are still looking at a void of understanding of true understanding of how all of this relates together at a broad scale and then you want to go off and you want to tweak one of the most foundational aspects of that without understanding the broad picture what could be the result besides calamity
0: So the, the pushback on that would be, and I don't agree with this, but the pushback would be like, yeah, it's exactly what we want to do, Ben. Like We're here for a limited time. We want to make this – we want to find out what we can do. Yes, vaccine has been – the vaccine's policy has been – we've been using eggs to make vaccines for the last 100 years, Ben. Do you want to stay mm-hmm. in this freaking paradigm or do you want to move the species forward, Ben? Millions of people are going to die. Millions of people die all the time. So what's Amen. the problem, Ben?
2: It's a hell of an experiment. (laughs) Unfortunately, I'm just one of those people who doesn't want to sign up for the experiment. I'll be the control group. That's fine with me. I hear you. Um, You know, there's there's something to be said about experimentation, but there's also reasons that, you know, uh, very real reasons that we don't like animal testings. We don't like, you know, to certain degrees, right? Because we've seen the horrors of what can happen when we fuck up. Yeah, and now to just go ahead and you know remove all of those layers of almost protection from what we've done for the past, say, 120 years of medicine, and then just throw it globally. I mean, you know, what sort of downstream effects could we be talking? You know, not even 10 years, not even 20 years, but generational. We have no idea. Yeah,
0: I agree. I think it's reckless, but it is very reckless on the on like on the on the opposite side of that if you're being just a hardcore rationalist you have mm-hmm. to look at it like look we put it out there anybody who has an IQ over 120 realized it was poison okay <laughs> like that's a fact like we put enough shit out there so people knew if you if you're smart you knew you shouldn't take this did we apply mm-hmm. enough pressure to crack people? Absolutely. I think that was part of it. Like, well, sure. You know, I remember like, that's part of the plan. Like, I, Maybe well, that's dark for me to, to say, but.
2: Well, no, this goes back to what you have right here uh, pulled up on I the know. screen still, right? Um, you know, these are, you know, it's an experimentation and it's not just a physical, biological experimentation. It's a psychological, social experimentation as well. You know, what would people accept on a grand scale of something like this? Could we push out a vaccine to every single country in the world? Um, You know, if and, you know, locally, even for politics, we see this play out all the time. You know, they'll come out with this grand scheme and then, you know, oh, they get a lot of pushback over here. So we take this away for now. But five years later, that gets put out again. Oh, we didn't get pushback this time. We're going to go ahead and go down this path now and so that psychological you know this and it's interesting you know i was going to bring up um you know hollywood right yeah um it it was something interesting i heard a little while back the old celtic druids used to make their wands out of the holly tree right yeah And, and so you know hollywood was just kind of this tool of of magic of propaganda and you were seeing this psychological game being played out um people are pretty much unwittingly playing along uh you know in from outside looking in it's sad to see but at the same time it is fascinating from a scientific perspective of where this goes
0: yeah i mean like i said from it and i i've had this inkling that I've been thinking about and I don't like to think about it, but I can't help, but not like it's the greatest human experiment in medicine in the history of mankind. This is a orders of magnitude by orders of magnitude. And to think that different batches weren't marked with different types of things on different ethnic groups. Like this is the greatest, uh, you know what what do they call that Ben when you when you uh this is the gr- greatest open clinical trial of all <laughs> times that will revolutionize medicine forever what they're going to learn what they have learned on a cognitive level on a psychological level and on a medical level is beyond anything that's ever happened i wish i had access to that data i wish i could oh, see yeah. what it is they're studying cuz i bet you it's fascinating you know, and, and as much as I, I despise the, what they've done, i, I got to well, say on some level that they're going to be learning a lot.
2: <laughs> absolutely. But in our pursuit of knowledge, if we forget what it means to be human, if we lose our humanity, then what good are we? That would be my argument. Because if if in this pursuit of grand knowledge, we lose what it means to be human, you know, uh, we've lost everything. We've lost everything, Uh, you know, and hey, you know, maybe I'm wrong. And maybe that next evolution of humans where they only need, you know, a a couple billion of us and not eight billion of us. Maybe they're going to, you know, be beneficiaries of this. And maybe they're going to go off and, you know, conquer the solar system, conquer the galaxy. But at the same time, I don't necessarily think I see that as a reality of that situation. If we lose our humanity along the path of knowledge, I think we fail.
0: Yeah, you know, I I feel like uh, humanity is collectively reading a choose-your-own-adventure book. And the people (laughs) that have the words, (laughs) the people that have the authority decided we like the greater good we're gonna go with the greater good one right here and it's like dude Mm -hmm. i know how that one ends that's a horrible one no i've already read this book man you can't go with the greater good you're gonna die at the end you're gonna die from the greater good don't you guys know that and they're Mm -hmm. like no nope we don't know that it's like fuck, man i don't have a voice i know what's gonna happen into the the story like and that and that's what will happen if you live by that book you die by that book like you have to have faith In humanity, you have to have faith that where we're going is a destination that's going to be right, and that by trying to medically engineer humanity, okay, the the only the only way I can be, there's probably a lot of ways I could be wrong, but it seems to me it's better to have faith and know that where we're going is a place we're supposed to go versus trying to genetically engineer society in a way unless unless hey maybe it's been a genetic experiment from the beginning and we don't know maybe we're all a genetic experiment
2: from from some angles you could view human history that way for sure i you know i could see that um but at the same time you know this kind of brings us back to this chat gpt thing um if all of a sudden you remove the creativity, if you remove the innovation, you remove the motivation to pursue those pursuits, um, you stagnate. And when you stagnate, just like everything that stagnates in nature, it dies and something else grows on top of it. And, you know, I think if you were to play this out from a game theoretical perspective and magnify it, hundreds of generations i think that's where you end up if you play that game and this goes back to what you said this you know the the greater good you live by that book you die by that book and i think the yeah. promise of humanity is much greater than um us trying to uh pigeonhole ourselves in a, in a tiny box which ultimately gets swept up in the sea
0: yeah you think there's any like do you see any good, like, uh, imagine this is an experiment where mm-hmm. they're able to use this gene therapy as a way, like, all, you know, it, it's, it's, it's interesting to see the pharmaceutical companies come out with a vaccine or a gene therapy or an mRNA vaccine that, that attacks COVID. And then mm-hmm. a few months later, Hey, we think we we wanna decry we we want to label aging as a disease. Like I think those are connected. I think that the the promise of mRNA vaccine is longevity. And the way they rolled it out was like, we're gonna test it on the flu, or we're gonna test it on this virus that could be a weapon we used in China. I don't know what it is, but. You know, I I think the fact that they just came out with a bill to to label aging as a disease opens up the door to pharmaceutical companies to produce vaccines for aging, And I think they're connected.
2: Right. Well, and and they're not just aging. Um, You know, they've announced uh, diabetes, cancers, all sorts of different things that they're trying to apply this technology to. Uh, what really kind of gets me is I remember reading this before um, COVID ever was a thing. In 2012, mm. DARPA was the one who funded this mRNA research. And the results of their experiments, which come to find out was actually on soldiers, um, was that not they did get the antibody production. But once re-exposed out into the wild to these pathogens again, these people got a greater uptick of reinfection, Mm. which, you know, alludes to the idea that, yeah, while we kind of understand some of the mechanisms, we don't realize the grand total totality of the mechanisms at play. And when you start playing with those, you know, you could end up, you know, there's a, did you ever see them or read the book children of man? Where all of a sudden they weren't able to have kids anymore?: No, I haven't. I should write that down. It was an interesting concept, and I, okay. I think it, the book came out in like the early 2000s and they made a movie of it. Um, but essentially, uh, all of a sudden, you know it was just miscarriage after miscarriage after miscarriage, and then there was no children born. Uh, and then the idea was, is that there was the first child born in 20 some years. And that's kind of what the book revolves around. But that concept of, you know, we don't really have a full grasp of what we're playing with and then all of a sudden what happens if, you know, you wipe out a generation of people, what happens if you wipe out two, all of a sudden the human race doesn't exist in the capacity that it exists you know, all of a sudden, we're we're back to fighting nature for our survival. You know, and so, and because we don't have the comprehensive understanding, because we're not omniscient in these things, it seems folly to me to play that game.
0: Yeah, I, I would agree. I, I would, um, I'll take it a step further in that not only... Is it folly to play that game? But I, I think the, I think the game. You know, if, if you look at the ultimate arms race between mm-hmm. viruses and, and the biological organism, you know, it, it seems that we have leveraged that. Like we we use. You know, you look at the Cold War. We had this arms race going on, and it seems to me that the biological weapons are scratch that not are have been the weapons of choice for the last 20 years like they've been like you just you just cited darpa 2012 coming up with genetics how long has crispr technology been out there how mm-hmm. long has genetic therapy been out there how long has targeted genetic therapy been out there so 23 and me um You know, all these genomic type of technologies, if if we look at them as the technologies that they are, and we apply the fact that technologies are usually developed for war, then it's not too far of a stretch to say, hey, we have been developing these pathogens for targeted ethnic groups. And, you know, I've been hearing some bits and pieces about, like, I don't think Dr. Fauci is a dumb man. You don't get to be where he is by being dumb. No, he's not dumb. You get to <laughs> be maybe shrewd, maybe ruthless, but dumb is, is, is not a word you would use with that man. And if you look at the military-industrial complex, which he was a part of, science plays a part in it, tech plays a part in it. Now, wouldn't it be a brilliant move? Wouldn't it be a brilliant move if you are the premier world power, who has the premier world currency, and you're worried about the quote-unquote? Um, what's that trap called, where a younger company comes, or younger place comes up? Um, um, it has like a Greek name.
2: Yeah, it's. It. I know what you're talking about, though. Um,
0: if you're worried about the um, the upstart, younger, essentially, yeah. if you're worried about the upstart taking you over, and you have this targeted pathogen that you could use as threat and you develop in their lab, in their country, and it gets out. Hey, guess what? It wasn't us, even though we were there. You know what? We were working in China. Like, it's a a pretty good cover. And isn't it weird that China has a zero COVID policy? I have some family members that were Chinese. Both of them got COVID, and one of them went on an incubator. I had other friends Mm. that got the shot and died. Mm-hmm. Only my Chinese family members went to the intubator. And it made me think, I don't know, this is me bo- telling you what I've seen in my life, but you know, it seems to me that it hit them harder. And isn't it weird that China had a, dude, no one goes outside. No one goes outside. We're going to shut everything down. We didn't do that anywhere else. You could make the argument that the people in China knew that this pathogen was targeted against them specifically genetically. And they shut it all down. Mm-hmm. I, I I think I mean I could
2: see I could see where you're drawing the correlation,
0: but I don't I, exactly. I don't necessarily it
2: think it's well I don't necessarily think it's too crazy because you know like we talked about you know we've been playing with this stuff for the past twenty years in society, yeah. um, you know right. to to the tune where we understand a good portion of the mechanisms. Um, and to make something yeah. more pathogenic to an ethnic group isn't actually all that complex from the genetic level. Um, because we have, because of the mapping of the human genome, we have been able to identify the different ethnic kind of genetic differences that exist throughout, you know, even though we're all we're all mutts. Um, there's still, you know, very, you know, there's certain genes that are, you know, exceptionally pronounced in say South Asian culture or African culture or Caucasian cultures. And though and you know we know that those exist. So it's not a huge stretch. But at the same time it would be, you know, um I mean what how does that person sleep at night would be one of my first questions. Uh Under but, an you American know, at the flag. same <laughs> well, here's the thing. And then, and then, but then you look at like uh, rewind to recent history, Nazi Germany. You know, all there the experimentation, there is precedence for it. So, you know, when you add up precedence and, precedence and evidence, you know, it, 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 you can draw <laughs> those correlations for sure. Um, I would, you know, it's one of those things like I remember reading about COVID in November of 2020. 20- 18 Because that's where it actually broke out in China and it was a mystery virus at the time There was crazy videos them welding people's doors shut and all sorts yeah. of shit. Yeah, and it wasn't until um, You know 2019 when COVID was actually declared COVID and it wasn't until March and in, in the United States before they actually declared it as a as a disease um, so it, it, there's it's very wild to go down the you know the series right. of events that right. w- led to this thing and then to your point most technology is developed as a weapon you know that's kind of been the human species since as far as we have recorded history
0: yeah since the tower of jericho i think i read somewhere that the tower of jericho is one of the longest or the, one of the oldest standing buildings, buildings. And yeah. when you start looking into the Tower of Jericho, it, it's like a, it was the first place that allowed for a surplus. And so they had places where they could roll boulders on the top of people because people, as soon as you have a surplus, you have people coming to steal it. As soon as you have a mm-hmm. surplus, you have a, um, a, uh,
2: a motive. People,
0: <laughs> a motive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it, you can almost look at that as a flashpoint where we, we went from being, Potentially hunters and gatherers, maybe, maybe that's the well, that was a flashpoint from changing lifestyles, maybe.
2: Sure. And, and, you know, I think that's kind of been pretty much recorded human history. Yeah. There's not, you know, and, and we could get into like prehistory and stuff like that. When you have stuff like Gobekli Tepe factored in, when you have all of these different megalithic structures all over the world and things like that. But um, for what we have is what we call our ancient history to now the the advent of technology has always first been about conquering and gaining more resources. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, I think, you know, to just imagine that the sun came up and we decided to be all, you know, uh, kumbaya with each other uh, in, in the 21st century uh, kind of uh, almost defies logic and reason at some level.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's fascinating to think about. I I don't in my brain works overtime coming up with things that may or may not be happening. But it's it's a fascinating time to be alive. It's a fascinating time to to come up with some creative solutions to make your life better. Or you could zook out and doom scroll and figure out biological weapons and you know whatever you want to do. It's out there, man.
2: (laughs) Yeah, but you know I think. you know, we talk ad nauseum about it, but I think this is the growing pains of us uh taking the next step, man.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Well I got my um I got some family members telling me that if I don't get off the phone, <laughs> if I don't get off here, they're gonna punch me in the face.
2: So uh well, I then before we go man might get some good views. <laughs> Just have them come punch you in the face. You never know that could go viral. I that I suggest my butt? <laughs> I know they will hurt.
0: I don't. I don't know if I want that to be my <laughs> viral video.
2: Hey, beggars I can't be choosing Content
0: with that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great point, man. It's a great point. So for those watching, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. Uh, tomorrow we got uh, the psychedelic roundtable. Maybe we might get into that a little bit. Um, I'm looking forward to talking to you tomorrow, Ben, about some some big news on the horizon for the Terra Libre project. And while I don't have your information currently in the show notes, I will put them on there. For people listening, where can they find you and uh, what, do you com- what do you got coming up, Ben?
2: Uh, Benjamin C. for everything that I'm up to. Uh, and yeah, finally crack the nut for, I think rolling out the first phase of the Terra Libre project. So um, yeah, tomorrow should be fun.
0: Yeah. Tune in tomorrow. I, uh, Jason and maybe Kevin, but Paul are definitely in for sure. So tomorrow, my friend, I will, uh, I'll talk to you then. I hope you have a fantastic day. Thank you for jumping on and uh, one of my favorite people to talk to, my
2: friend. You as well, brother. I hope you have a great rest of your evening. Aloha, everybody. I will,
0: man. (laughs) Aloha, everyone.